Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. Greetings and welcome once again, Retroids, to another episode of the Retro Red Octopus Cephala Podcast, the only show that celebrates all the things that make growing up awesome. We are part of the Dorkening and Inebriard Podcast Networks, and as always, we are brought to you by Deadly Grounds Coffee. I am your host, 8-Bit Alchemy, and with me as always are my Jamalamin cohorts, Parasite Steve. Do you want to get rocked? Let's get, let's get, let's get Nintendo's opinion. Oh, I want to get rocked. He wants to get rocked. <laughs> oh, come on. Shamona. You're not just your average, normal, everyday kid. Mm. So true. You're not. We are retro redacta kids. Yeah, retro redacta <laughs> kids. And we are here today to talk about the music that makes us that is the music that defines us the music that was seminal in our years as youths and the kinds of albums that we listen to and and talking about the songs and the bands and all that good shit this one might be a long one so strap in buckle up i'm not going to pretend like it's going to be short but we do have uh we have our eye on the time it just doesn't mean that we're going to pay attention to it uh so without uh you know without spinning our wheels too much you know we, we we're going to basically talk about two albums up front and the bands and then we'll do an octoponder and then we'll talk about the other two so we each picked four and uh yeah i mean we're all humongous fans of music and kind of shit so it seemed like a fun way to get different ideas and different people's you know choices in music and things that maybe you listen to a lot when you were younger but don't really listen to that much anymore but you know they still are core they're a core memory they're a core piece of you yes. yeah and this will be a nice uh a nice like just a biography of us this right. is a a bio in albums that shaped us right right, right. totally totally um so yeah i i'll i'll get this ball rolling here um so i i have to be honest this single album was maybe reason enough for me to want to do this episode at all uh i am talking about the album the best of album classics by alice cooper oh yes um yes. this album this album was like i i so some of the strongest memories and actually most of the albums I'll be talking about were albums that I listened to in the car on a cassette 
with Steve and my mom constantly. And mm-hmm. I mean, these albums were were ones that just were stuck in my brain. I loved the music. I got obsessed with it and it really like, you know, influenced the kinds of music that I would get into throughout my life. So um, Classics by Alice Cooper is a compilation album released by Epic Records in September of 95. Uh, This release was to mark the end of record contract with Epic Records, which had spanned three studios Alice had suggested the title of Class Six S S I C K S, which uh, I I didn't. Catch I love on that to the cleverness. I didn't. Yeah, I, I never that. caught on to the funniness of that name like uh, for a while, and then I I actually looked at the tape. I'm like, holy shit, that's awesome. That's great. Uh, <laughs> so as of 2005, Classics is available as a CD and DVD set. Also a cassette, you know, if you can find it, Uh, uh, comprising classics and trashes the world respectively. This set is also notable for the inclusion of Fire, which is normally only available as a beat. So what I want to do is I'm going to run through the track list. Uh, I'm not going to have a story about every song or nothing. Just say the songs and then maybe do a little bio uh, after I get to kind of wax nostalgic about about the album. Uh, So we start start the album off with Poison from 1987's Trash album. Uh, The song is just absolutely one of the greatest 80s just uh hair metal songs ever i mean it's it's so fucking good and and has such a a tasty guitar solo and i would never get sick of it and i i also have to say that this compilation uh classics i felt like the first half of it was like actually what i listened to on repeat forever the second side of it was was other songs that were good too, but man, the first half was was nuts because you got to remember I'm listening to it on cassette, so you just had side A, side B. So I don't know, side A right. was my shit. Um, but yeah, second song was Hey Stupid from 1991's Hey Stupid, which in retrospect I think Hey Stupid is my favorite Alice Cooper album. It's just ridiculously good. Um, I like that I like song. How he how he spells stupid. Oh oh yeah. P I D. Hey, stupid. <laughs> oh man, that is that is my favorite song. Yeah, that's hey, so stupid good. Is, is my favorite. Yeah, it's song. a good one. Yep. Um, and uh, and also also off of Hey Stupid is uh, the next song, Feed My Frankenstein. Oh yes, yes, which is legendary, referenced constantly by the just sheer number of unique, weird little quotes and and things that are in that song and the intro just being you know, <laughs> yes, yes, I know you're hungry. Ah, and here comes dinner. Right. It's amazing. Uh, I also like, he's such a psycho. Like the one random part (laughs) with the woman singing it. Uh, There's just so many funny spots. It's a great fucking song. Also, like probably mom's favorite song, Steve. I feel like she was always obsessed with that one. Yeah. Um, That was definitely her favorite as well. And yeah, yeah. you know, gotta mention Wayne's World. Yeah, gotta mention Wayne's World. Yep. What yep. a freaking spotlight that song got in Wayne's World! My God. oh yeah, for sure. No kidding. I, sure. I definitely like you know pretty unprecedented like movie featuring Alice Cooper. Alice Cooper song. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just, so just cool. amazing that 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 was the time. That was the era, and that was certainly the movie. Uh, you know, to to do that. Right. Um, the the next song is "Love's a Loaded Gun," which is a slower song, but I. It's just, it's just a true it. fact as well. It's just also a fact. <laughs> Love is also yes. a loaded gun. Yep. Just another bullet in the chamber. Uh, that song I adore. I, I friggin' adore it. It's it's slower, but it's so good. It's so powerful. Um, and I learned later on in life that uh, Derek Sherinian did keyboards on that song. And he oh. is a Armenian keyboardist who is famously... In one album of Dream Theater, two technically, if you count the EP, A Change of Seasons, but also in the uh, album uh, uh, Falling Through Infinity. Holy shit, my brain just fell out. I believe that's what that's called. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think that is the Dream Theater album. Yes, yes. Falling yeah, Into that, Infinity. Yeah, um, that sounds right. And it's an awesome album. Uh, frequently cited as a Black Sheep album for Dream Theater, but really, really Really solid prog. Um, but yeah, really, he, play, he really, plays really great. Really great. Just, just <laughs> really, really good. <laughs> so good. Um, so good. Um, yeah, so Love's a Loaded Guns, an awesome song. And then uh, following up from that, we have Stolen Prayer from 1994's The Last Temptation. Mm-hmm. Um, good song. House yep. of Fire from from 87's Trash, oh, which is amazing. Love it. Building so, a house of fire. That chorus baby. really gets Building me. It I love it. Oh uh, yeah, it's it's so awesome. So God cheesy, damn, so fun. Yeah, it's so awesome. Yeah, and then uh, it's and, definitely like like pinnacle Alice Cooper 80s. Yes, like 80s, yeah, right 80s there. Cooper. Yep, 80s Cooper. And it's kind of crazy to me that there's no shut up and yell or raise your fist and yell on this album. Oh, I actually think the thing that the one that I thought was definitely should have been on here was um, Bed of Nails. I think. Right. Well, that's from the album, right? Yeah. That's what I mean. Like that album's not represented at all. Oh, I thought you meant the song. Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 Um, It's just Bed of Nails should have been. on this. uh, Bed of Nails totally should have been. Yeah. Yeah. I love is a bed of nails. So good. Uh, a bed of nails. Bed of nails. Nails. <laughs> nails. You gotta get real nails. Nails. Bed <laughs> of nails. Yeah, right. A little bit Australian. Uh, and then following up from that is "Lost in America," also from Trash. Also yeah. a song that I liked a lot, and I remember getting like, I don't know, Steve. I think you had talked to me about like, I I, I remember this like vague memory echo of like the lyrics in that song being problematic because i was like singing them or something i don't recall really but maybe um, I, I i don't remember i'll have to like look at the actual yeah maybe there was like one specific lyric it's like the like, eh. i ain't got a job because i don't have a car yeah. oh right right and, uh, yeah i ain't got yeah, a yeah. car because i don't got a job got school yeah i don't <laughs> yeah. got a school yeah. yeah so like i think and i you was were, like, singing it yeah and i was like, like five four. yeah right whatever and it was just like a pro it was just like maybe don't uh and then uh I'll, I'll go through so i think the the second side of the tape uh uh and started the started here so lost in america was the end of side a and then uh, we had it's me uh we had under my wheels which is the start of the 1989 live performance trash is the world which was featured mm-hmm. on this album and so then the rest of the songs are all classics of his that were from the older stuff uh from this live performance so there was under my wheels 
billion dollar babies. I'm 18. No more Mr. Nice Guy. Only women bleed. School's out. Uh, and then Fire, which is uh, the B-side that was previously unreleased from Love's Loaded Gun single. And that is the cover of the Jimi Hendrix song, Fire. Um, yes. So, uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, the second side was good, but I pretty much just wanted to repeat side A. Uh, I, I clearly yeah. already liked the 80s stuff. Yeah, the 80s was more your bag than the it 70s. It was more my and, bag. And, and I love more, the 70s stuff now. Yeah, but it's still I still prefer his 80s stuff. Yeah, same here. Same here. Yeah. Yeah, the 80s stuff is just really, you know, it grabs you. It's got these great choruses, very catchy, awesome guitar mm-hmm. solos, and just all kinds of cool yep. shit. Um, so, yes, uh, uh, amazing album. I, I can't think about Alice Cooper and this album without thinking about riding around in the car as a little kid in mom's old friggin', what was it, Mercury Sable, the blue? Was that oh, a well, sable? Yeah, yeah, she did have Mercury Sable, yeah. The blue Mercury Sable <laughs> with the friggin', like, uh, cloth seats and it got sprayed by a skunk one time and it just felt like a skunk forever and <laughs> it's just like i don't know that fucking car man that that was a that was a ride um but yeah uh, this this was so unbelievably seminal in in, in the grand scheme of things and it's so it funny shaped, because yeah. it did and, and you know there was never an a full alice cooper album that i like got to sit down and listen to it was just this best of and yeah. and so I was just like, oh man, I'm a, such a huge fucking Alice Cooper fan. And it's not until later that I was like, I don't know like most of his music. This dude's made a shit ton of albums. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, since like um, but 69, 70, 69. around there. Yeah, yeah. So uh, so yeah. So real quick, I'll go through the bit of a bio on him. Um, so Alice Cooper, born Vincent Damon Furnier of February fourth, nineteen forty eight, is an American rock singer whose career spans over five decades with a raspy voice and a stage show that features numerous props and stage illusions including pyrotechnics, guillotines, electric chairs, fake blood, reptiles, baby dolls, and dueling swords. Cooper is considered by many music journalists and appears to be the godfather of shock rock, uh, a term probably some of you, if not all of you, have at least heard of. Uh, you know, that kind of like, oh, man, you know, it's not just the music. It's it's seeing this performance live and so much of a element of, like, theatrics to it. Uh, and usually theatrics that are, like, grim or or violent or whatever mm-hmm. um you know it's just it's a it's a whole different ball game to see them perform live um he uh, alice cooper has drawn inspiration equally from horror films vaudeville and garage rock to pioneer the macabre and theatrical brand of rock designed to shock and surprise audiences mm-hmm. uh originating in phoenix arizona in 1964 alice cooper was originally a band with roots extending back to a band called Earwigs, consisting of Fernier on vocals and harmonica, Glenn Buxton on lead guitar, and Dennis Dunaway on bass guitar and backing vocals. By 1966, Michael Bruce on rhythm guitar joined the three, and Neil Smith was added in 1967. The five named the band Alice Cooper, and Fernier eventually adopted it as his stage pseudonym. They released their 1969 debut studio album with limited chart success. Wah, wah. Hey, you know what? No one's ever famous on the first album. Uh, breaking out with the 1970s single I'm 18 and the third studio album Love It to Death, the band reached their commercial peak in 73 with their sixth studio album, Billion Dollar Babies. Yes. Yeah, they were putting out an album a year for like 10 years. Right. Like yeah. that is it's, fucking prolific. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. I mean, a lot of a lot of musicians did that. They were really pushed to do that. They just yeah, it was a constant cycle of just recording and touring. 
they're 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 writing the next album when they're on mm-hmm. tour for the mm-hmm. current album and it's it's always like a year cycle and they yeah. go in the studio for two weeks and then they start the, the cycle all over again and go on the road with the new album it's yep. just crazy it's un unreal you do not yeah. see that kind of output uh yeah even then let alone now um after uh afterwards the band did break up but fernier legally changed his name to alice cooper and began a solo career with the 1975 concept album welcome to my nightmare and he was pretty sure that you were gonna like it um, he was pretty sure about it yeah he, he wasn't positive he put it right there in the lyrics yeah. so he thought yeah. so uh, and over the over his career cooper has sold well over 50 million records crazy pretty nuts crazy just this year he released a live album actually uh uh, just a live album of him doing a bunch of oldies and it was cool it was cool because like all the songs have like skits and him like chatting to the audience and shit like that it just it it is very much recorded like someone just set up a mic in a venue and so it was kind of cool to hear that yeah Um, and i mean he just had detroit stories um uh that's a new album that came out last year yep and uh just... i mean i mean we we i got to see him on this on that tour and i saw him about six years ago and uh yeah what what struck me is not only how incredibly different the stage show was like the one couple of years i'm sure he kind of cycles through a few different themes i'm sure it's mm-hmm. not like unique every tour of his entire you know 60 year career or whatever but um, you know, it was more about the insane asylum stuff and nurses and, you know, giant hyperdermic needles and stuff like that for that show six years ago. And this one, he had a castle, a two story castle with a draw, a working drawbridge. And um, I mean, it was it was nuts. Like people could go up there and play and like, you know, Hurricane Nita Strauss was uh, was with him. That was a. Uh, uh, supposedly their final tour together because she left to do other stuff. But um, yeah, she's up there, you know, blazing guitar solos. And I mean, I mean, really just it, it was it was insane how different the stage show was. But also it blew me away how different the set list was. I mean, there was there, there were big hits that he did not specifically play on one or the other. Like mm-hmm. he played Billion Dollar Babies. Um the first time he did not play that second time. Um, I don't think he played. I'm 18. The second time um, there were, there was a few, I think he, I, he may have done like a couple that were the same, you know, like, but honestly, very vastly different set lists. And that is one of the greatest things you can ever hope for with a band that, you know, has been around so long because they have such a huge catalog. Whereas, you know, in contrast, if you've ever seen Ozzy more than once over his gigantic career, he plays the same songs like he played yep. 30 years ago. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just one of the things. It's like he just and now he's like, you know, got excuses, but he didn't in the 80s and the 90s. So, like, you know, it's it's just weird. You'd go to see Ozzy and you're like, oh, well, hopefully he'll play some, you know, stuff I haven't heard or maybe some stuff from the new album. You don't want, you know, you never want them to play the whole new album and nothing else. But it's right. like, oh my god, he, he wouldn't play anything from the new album, you know, and he right. would play the same exact, exact, exact songs and the same Sabbath songs, and he always ends with Paranoid yeah. and stuff. Yeah, he, like, he really he really played it safe. Yep. Oh my god. He, it he was played, just, played he, all the all the hits. It, too, 
way too safe. It became boring. Yeah. So we saw him like three times and it's like, my God, it's the same fucking show every single time. Yeah. But Alice, I saw him twice and it's like, holy crap. Literally so completely different. different. So, I mean, he played, he played uh, m- my two favorite songs from Raise Your Fist and Yell the second time. He played Bed of Nails, which I couldn't believe. And he awesome. also played uh, Roses on White Lace. Oh, it's an awesome song is an amazing song and i've always said it's his most metal song and um it's uh it was incredible i couldn't believe it i literally could not believe he played those two songs just yeah so no i mean i i you know i we we've we've picked uh a concert themed octoponder and this is not my pick but i you know i had to mention how incredible truly his stage shows are like first yeah i mean just insane yeah yeah well deserving of of still Ab- uh, you know absolutely the, totally having the title every bit yeah yeah the godfather of shock rock but not just the godfather i mean currently a a, a visionary right. and a pioneer still in the shock rock genre. right like right. he's in his mid he's in his mid 70s and he's still yeah. right. doing shit yeah, he's which not is resting awesome. on his laurels he's he is fucking firing on right. all and, and like, cylinders his his uh his wife is in the show she's one of the dancers still to this day and yeah. uh, his daughter and like like it's it's just so freaking fun like it is so cool oh it's family it's oriented awesome. it's, it is it's awesome <laughs> it is and uh hopefully nita strauss comes back for some tours because she is amazing and i've seen her twice too um but I think, yeah, I think she, he, I mean, he definitely realized her star power too, because boy, did she get an entrance this last time? Like, yeah, huh? A very, very impactful entrance. Yeah. It was almost as if she was the lead singer, but, but she was before him. So then he got the big entrance, but still, he gave her a huge entrance. Freaking crazy. Right. Yeah. For yeah. those who don't it know, Nita awesome. Strauss is an American, uh, you know, solo guitarist, and she has uh, done a ton of different work. She's toured with Demi Lovato and, and also. Alice well, Cooper. she left to do Demi Lovato. That's why. Yeah. She currently, left. Demi yes. Lovato's her gig. And, but Demi uh, Lovato it re- is retiring. <laughs> She's like, hey, I literally know, I, after she joined, she Demi Lovato is like, this is going to be my last tour. I'm stopping music. So I mean, like, it's it's kind of funny. So I think that right. Nita's going to kind of do whatever she's going to do, and she'll be yeah. great. But yeah, it'd be yeah, nice. She, is, yeah. she has a few solo. I know she did a date with with Alice. They yes. happen to be in the same town or something recently. Nice. Um, yeah, she did come on stage and do a couple songs, which is just so fun. Well, it makes yeah. it makes sense. You know, it's not like they left on bad terms it was just hey this is no. an amazing opportunity nope. and she's gonna go for Correct. it and that's awesome you know Correct. and yep. and then hey okay well it, and he was totally hard. fine with it he was like yeah, yeah. you know yeah. you're young you gotta you gotta explore different opportunities don't just yep. do all your eggs in one basket let's mm-hmm. let's be real he was the opposite of ronnie james Dio. oh yes <laughs> let's yeah. be let's be honest <laughs> yeah right yeah but uh awesome all right cool nice. well yeah so okay. so that is uh first pick of the night and i am yep. going to pass the old torch uh over to uh, mr nintendo if i know Ooh. what you like oh yeah so i'm gonna go back to uh the very beginning of my rock and roll journey uh before i was even born actually uh i was in me me mom's belly <laughs> when this album uh came out and uh my dad was obsessed with this band because that's all he would listen to while my mom was pregnant with me and it drove her absolutely bonkers <laughs> and uh that band is boston mm. so, boston. I love, I boston 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 
definitely awesome. like one of the best hard rock slash metal bands to come out of Massachusetts mm-hmm. um, in the mid to late seventies. Um, I had to go with their, their debut album because that, that album is perfect. It's in insane. every fucking way. It's, it's insane. It's every single good. song every, is a hit. Yeah, yeah. Every single song is a freaking masterpiece. Um, and it's the one I frequently listen to. It's like, I mean, mm-hmm. I like stuff after that, but this one is like the best album for me. Um, maybe because it's all I, I listen to in the womb. I don't know. <laughs> but um, it's probably the reason why I like this kind of music so much. Um, plus, it, you know, I have that bond with my dad with this band. So yeah, it was always a cool thing. And uh, so they actually recorded the debut album, which is self-titled back in 76, right in uh, Watertown, Massachusetts, which is not very far from where I am. I used to work in Watertown uh, when I was a, uh, a young adult. (laughs) Um, I will, I'll say it. I'll just say that. Um, (laughs) So when you were a pre-old <laughs> it was man. many, many moons ago <laughs> at this point. Um, so yeah, so I'll just read off the, the track listing. So it starts off with more than a feeling, which everyone knows. That was like probably like the, the most played song on the radio. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have peace of mind, which is my personal favorite. Uh, it's such a, it's a really catchy song and Four play long time, which is the third track. It is so goddamn good. It's the I longest song on the album, which is song. which clocks in at seven minutes and forty-seven seconds. Such an amazing intro. It's like a it's like a an instrumental. And then like, like rock or organ, you know? Like yeah, it's, organ it's so good. Solo. And then yeah, right. it gets like really insane. And then and then the rest of the song just kind of like slows down. And then you have the rest of the song was just long time and it is just so so good the way how it's all written and pieced together it's absolutely flawless song then after that is rock and roll band which is also uh uh also also very good um uh then you have smoking which has been played on the radio quite a bit I, then, I uh, do a, love that song. I, I love smoking and and smoking and the the keyboard solo in that is is yes. the best. It's the best. It's yeah, it's, it's so, so fucking good. heavy. It like randomly becomes like super minor and like scary sounding. And it's just like, where did this come from? Yeah. This is so <laughs> inappropriate for what happens in the rest of the song, but it's awesome. It's yeah, so good. It's really good. And then then you have uh hidden gems like Hits a Ride and uh something about you. Which I I love something about you. That song is just so good. Um, well, what is what is it exactly that you love about me? <laughs> I, I all of it. <laughs> I love all of it. Mm. Oh, the blushing! It's happening. Um, and then you have the last track which is called Let Me Take You Home Tonight. That song is also very good. It's a very good song to end the album with. Um, and I have to say, like, in in the 70s, like, this band had, like, the best vocal harmonies I've ever heard. Uh, still, yeah. Still to this I mean, day. It's, it's like yeah. Queen and them. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just perfect. right, Completely right. flawless. It is so perfect in every way. Yep. And uh, this this band which I'm just realizing now had three guitar players, which 
kind of blows me away. Um, you have Tom Schultz, 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 can't Schultz. pronounce his last name, Schultz, Schultz, who is basically the, the band leader. So he does all the lead and rhythm guitars. And then you have Brad Delp, rest in peace, who does all the lead and harmony vocals and also plays a, an acoustic 12 string guitar. And then he does rhythm guitar and percussion. And then you have Barry Gaudreau, Gaudreau, Gaudreau. Anyways, he's the uh, lead and rhythm guitarist. And then you have Fran Sheenan, who plays bass. And then Sib Hishan, uh, who is the the Dwama, the Dwama for the band. The oh, Dwama. The, my Dwama. Uh, the Dwama. Who's Anthony? Who's Anthony? Okay. He's okay. my Dwama. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like Sib Hashian must be Armenian. I don't must know. Be. They recorded in Watertown. Yeah, no, he yeah, is. he is. He's yeah. says, he, he's Armenian and Italian. Okay, from Linfield, Mass. Cool. Wow. So I shout outs two two Armenians on two great records right in a row. Yep. There you Good go. Shit. There you have it. Definitely That's awesome. The best rock album from the seventies. Yeah, it is. It yeah. is so. It is so modern for for coming out in the middle of the seventies. Like it is a timeless album. Like and I, it still I, sounds fantastic today. Like I was just listening the to recording it on Spotify, quality which, which Spotify does not have the best sound quality. It still sounds fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah. I, I would, oh, I would goddamn, love, love to have this on vinyl. Um, but yeah, I mean, this album is insane. It, it really does just have such a such staying power and sounds so modern. I couldn't, I actually could not friggin' believe when I like when I was younger and I had heard all the songs from this album. I had no idea what era it was from. I assumed it was like late '80s, early '90s. Like yeah, just just by the recording quality and like the the way that like the songwriting really didn't feel like mid '70s. I feel like yeah. they were it on was, par with like Kansas for some of yeah, that. Like, it was really ahead of its time, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure, hundred yeah. percent. Awesome. Well, uh, I couldn't I couldn't ask for a better second. Yeah. Pick. Uh, great pick absolutely awesome awesome one and and i never knew that you loved boston so 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 see here we are here we are learning learning he, about our own friends peace i of love one and he peace of mind Warren. is my favorite track <laughs> i love peace of yeah mind. peace of mind's amazing so oh yeah oh yeah love that break Hell yeah. All right, sweet. Let's keep on let's keep on uh smoking, okay. I was gonna so, say, and uh, have Parasite Steve go next. So I'm gonna try to be quick uh with this. I'm not gonna list all the songs. Uh so what I have is uh some some factoids, and I'm gonna list the singles and my own personal uh favorite tracks. Nice. So this album right here is um it is the seminal album, like Joe said. It was the start of my personal rock journey. And um, I know it's not as loved of an album, um, but I don't care. It's just, it is what it is. I can't change the past. It is what it is. And I love mm -hmm. this album. And I have Mr. Nintendo to thank for it. Uh, this was the first album that started my journey into the world of hard rock and heavy metal. And uh, it is adrenalized by Def Leppard. Hell to the yes. So um, this this album is nowhere near as celebrated as its predecessor. 
but you know, I, I gotta tell you, it, it had six singles. So, I mean, like, it's not like it was a commercial failure. Hysteria was huge, but this was also huge. It had like videos for all those songs. I think yep. maybe even more. I mean, I don't know. They, uh, Def Leppard was on top of the world for a while. People forget how humongous they were, but they were really, really, really popular and really successful band. And uh, they were a little bit younger than all the other 80s bands too. So they they had like a, I don't know, a little bit more staying power for a little while. But, you know, their star faded like when the, the, you know, the genre, popular genres of music changed too. But anyway... So Adrenalize was released on the 31st of March, 1992. It is the band's fifth studio album. Some fast facts for you. This is the band's first album since uh, 1981, recorded without their longtime original producer, Mutt Lang. Instead, the band took matters into their own hands and produced the album themselves, along with their longtime engineer, Mike Shipley, with uh, Lang credited as an executive producer. So he was involved a little bit, but he had moved on to Brian Adams at that point. So that is what it is. Um, mm -hmm. Guitarist Steve Clark had um, been suffering from alcohol addiction since 1989. He spent six sessions in rehab, but um, eventually lost his life um, in 91. He died four months um, into the writing of this album in 1991 in January. Uh, but he did, he was involved in writing six of the songs on the album. Um, and so what had happened was the band and the management had really cracked down on him um, and told him that he had six months to get clean and enough was enough. And he, he died four months later. So, oh wow, super crappy. <clears throat> but um, uh, as I learned, I think it's pretty cool tribute to this day. If you go to DefLeopard.com and click on the band listing of the band members, uh, he is he is listed there. Steve Clark. It, it's not a comprehensive list of every member that's ever been in the band, but uh, they they list Steve as if he's a current member. I think that is just a really super, yeah, that's super wicked awesome. Uh, it's so cool thing to do. Yeah. So um pretty cool so um instead of producing in, i'm sorry instead of replacing clark with a new member the band decided to record the album as a four-piece um so the current guitarist phil collin singular not phil collins not the plural <laughs> guy from genesis but just singular phil collin uh said that uh he he's quoted as saying we had recorded demos on multi-track and i was sitting there with him when he played the original parts and I could relay that, but it was like playing along to a ghost. So he, you know, it was an emotional time they had to push through. And this was after, you know, drummer Rick Allen had lost his arm and stuff like that was a previous album. They, they were a band who yeah. just persevered like over and over. Uh, and then later, you know, uh, the bassist Rick Savage had a bunch of strokes and, and like, you know, almost lost his life. And so, I mean, it's just weird. The, the band just really was very young to have so many issues, but they were yeah, all these, all these, problems. you know, they, they kept, they kept, uh, kept pushing through it. Um, yep. So Adrenalize debuted at number one on both the UK album charts and in the following week at, on the US Billboard 200. It stayed number one uh, on the Billboard chart for five weeks and spent 65 weeks total on the charts pretty cool so the singles are the first and th these are in order of release um march 92 they came out all the way into 93 march 92 uh they released let's get rocked which was the song that got me into this album and and you know 
subsequently the rock genre and the metal genre uh because joe just had a single you yep. had this single and you brought it over one time and i just i don't know i just loved it so much so yeah i i i finally remember buying that single on cassette yeah and that's all i'd listen to it's just that yep it's really wow. funny and it had a great yeah, it was so good great video on mtv at the time you know cg was very very much in its infancy um and uh you know it's like oh jurassic park is a thing so like everybody's going to be able to do this same level of quality it's like no (laughs) (laughs) clearly no no. that was like at level you know that was god tier level and everybody else was still in you know crawling around in their diapers it was so crazy but if you look back you know that sing that single came out in march of 92 and it it is all CG and it is pretty terrible today, but it was really cool at the time. It really was the, uh, the first one that really did anything like that other than, I guess, uh, no, it's not the first one. Dire Straits had money for nothing. Yeah. And that was even yeah. more yeah. primitive, but, um, but this was, this was different. This was definitely a lot of steps up from, from money for nothing. But anyway, um, no, the next single was make love like a man, which is just a <laughs> ooh, woof. <laughs> what a title. um that was in june and then have you ever needed someone so bad came out in september stand up kick love into motion was released in december and then heaven is which i actually did not know was one of their uh one of their singles came out january 93 but it says only in the uk so i don't know maybe maybe that's why i didn't know and the song tonight uh was released was their final single in march 93 one whole year later they still put out a new single like how insane is that yeah absolutely crazy um as for me personal standout tracks uh, i gotta say let's get rocked you know Mm -hmm. i can't i can't not give give credit to that song it really is the one that started started it all for me uh the song tear it down is the final (sighs) track on the album and it's just it's just so good it's such Uh, a good final song i just love it yeah great uh such a great chorus really really cool it just rocks um honestly you know, I had I had kind of a hard time because I really like a few of the songs that are like really like cringy in their lyrics now. But um, yeah, this this one this one's okay. This one survived the test. The song "Heaven Is," um, you know, it's it is about a girl, but it's um, it's a great song. It's really rocking, fun yeah, tune. It is. Um, it's not heavy, but it's really really great. And finally, uh, there's a song that uh, was always one of my favorites on the album. Uh, back then and I when I listened to it again for this episode I was kind of like wondering you know is this going to hold up because it is a slow song but I tend to not like the ballads I always go for the heavier stuff and the faster yep. more upbeat stuff and this song is weird it's slow but it's not a ballad it's it's the song White Lightning and um, I went back and listened to it and I'm like my god I still love this song so it is much. so good it's, yeah it's so goddamn good it's so eerie and atmospheric and just it's just telling a story and you know i never knew what it was about so i looked up what is this song about you know what the song's about no it's about steve clark so oh. it's 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 written as a dedication to steve clark after his death in 91 because oh, wow. uh they used to call him white lightning um it, it huh. was it was a nickname that started because he was always running around the stage really fast and you know i guess he had he really liked blonde hair and stuff i don't know maybe that was part of it but um but white lightning if you read the lyrics it, it can also mean uh, drugs or alcohol addiction and if you think of if you read the lyrics listen to the lyrics and you think of it in those terms 
um uh yeah no it, it's very much about addiction i didn't i didn't get that at all but it's like oh oh no yeah oh i get it now no i totally i totally get it um, yeah so amazing amazing song very uh very emotional song really really great but and, you know so anyway you know I, I i get it hysteria is the one it's their biggest album it's the one everybody knows it has all the singles everybody knows all the all the stuff you hear on the the, the radio is pretty much from either hysteria or pyromania but like i don't know and i do i do really love pyromania too but i don't know adrenalize is like it's not my favorite of their albums or anything but it is a good album and uh it is it is the one that started me on the journey so thank you joe oh thank no you, problem Leopard. and uh yeah i'm gonna pass the uh pass the torch now but that that was that was my uh my first big one that was my awesome. job here is done mm-hmm. <laughs> hey job well done yeah and i mean you passed on a love for Def leopard to myself as well um yeah really very very cool um great great album great pick yeah um all right, so continuing right along with our second round of picks here, I have a album that, again, like I told you, I think three of my four picks were song were, were albums that I listened to in the car a shit ton on tape. Uh, and the next album would be Euthanasia by Megadeth. Oh, God, yes. Um, I was really torn between choosing this or Rust in Peace. Technically, I probably heard Rust in Peace more, but I always, like... I mean, I loved both, but I, I gravitated towards euthanasia. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, this this is the album with the babies on the clothes hanger, right? <laughs> like, people have seen this image. There's a woman hanging up babies on a clothesline. And it's honestly such a weird goddamn picture, but it is it is iconic as shit. I mean, that no one can see that art and, and think it's from anything else. Like, it is just yeah. very, very, like, iconic for, for 90s metal and stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I adore this album. I yeah, love I do it. too. Love love it to pieces. Um, yeah, it's definitely like like one of my my top five Megadeth yeah. albums. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, it, it is it is way up there for me. Um, but yeah, so Euthanasia is the sixth studio album by American heavy metal band Megadeth, released on November first, nineteen ninety four. I was three uh, through Capitol Records. It is stylistically similar to their previous album Countdown to Extinction from ninety two. The title is a play on words, implying that society is euthanizing its youth because for those of you who aren't reading something uh it is spelled y-o-u-t-h-a-n-a-s-i-a so it is like the word euthanize euthanasia uh but but for young folks uh yeah so it's you know very commentary ish if you know megadeth at all that's that is their brand and if you don't know megadeth now you do they're (laughs) all about having something to say uh but they also have something to play and it's really fucking good um uh like i had said the cover has an elderly woman hanging babies by their feet on a seemingly endless clothesline a direct reference to a line in the title track euthanasia uh euthanasia received positive reviews upon its release it was commercially successful peaking at number four on the billboard 200 uh which is certainly i would imagine a direct follow-up from countdown to extinction which i think peaked at one uh, i think it was their only album that peaked at one that makes sense I think uh, yeah, it's their but, most commercially successful album. Yeah. So yeah, Euthanasia was was kind of riding on that. Uh and in nineteen ninety-five, only a year after it came out, it was certified platinum uh for shipping one million copies Jeez. in the United States, which is fucking nuts. Which uh, bands don't even get that nowadays. Right? 
Uh, and uh, and later on, a remixed and remastered edition featuring several bonus tracks was released in July of 2004. Uh, going through the track listing here, uh, you have Reckoning Day, um, which I think is one of the most standout song like album openers just because of like the the punchiness of the guitar and everything yeah and and that that very simple riff that never lets up mm-hmm. and and then the way that the song ends with it everything else fading out and the drums just kind of carrying the rhythm of that riff that's that that right there like that is the kind of thing that makes megadeth so stand out to me it's like they never stopped being metal but like they they just did weird shit and different stuff and and were experimental while also being you know mainstream and trying to have appeal not as you know not as much as metallica you know for for radio play per se but i think that their their musicality was so pronounced it was not just Hey, we can shred fast. We can play guitar really fast. Um, they wrote some really cool songs. Train of Consequences. Uh, after that, had a lot. Of, you know, had some substantial harmonica sections. Some, mm-hmm. you know, just really memorable, very unique, weird riff. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it's it's just. Uh, I think I think this. Some of the things that make albums stand out to me is when when songs have identity and like. Every song on this album has identity. I mean, yeah. it's also hard to say unbiasedly because I've just heard this album a billion times. But like all the songs really do feel different. Yeah, um, yeah I, addicted do. addicted to chaos is a is a great slower song while still being you know heavy and and having memorable melodies. Uh, I, some people might know the next song, "A Tout Le Monde," which is like the song where the whole chorus is in French, and Dave Mustaine tries to speak French, and it's kind of funny. Um, but it's definitely <laughs> a really good song. Um, you know, they remade yeah. it later on "United Abominations," and it was okay. He made it faster, but I think the original is still best. Um, yeah, much better. And, yeah. and and you know, I, I think it's just a, a really really good song. You know, to all the world, "A Tout Le Monde." Um, Elysian Fields, great, mm-hmm. great, great song. song. Yeah, Killing Road, uh, heavy as shit. You know, brings. I love that intro riff too. Yeah, it's like there's so many good, so many phrases in that one sentence. You know, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, you think you knew the riff, and then it evolves. And yeah, like you said, there's there's so many phrases. And I mean, have to have to state that this was during the heyday where where Marty Friedman was uh was you know playing guitar with Megadeth, and yeah, I mean, you know, his his weird musicality came through in everything, and you know, he's definitely one of those guitarists that like he just he has a weird vibe, a weird style it's you know weird in a good way but different and i think that that kind of gave you know a, a lot of different flavor to this album um blood of heroes was next which was actually a song i always really liked but i think i think i had seen like a, a, a like a music video or like a like a youtube music video or something i don't know i i remember thinking this the song was so good but i like I don't know. It was one of those where I didn't realize that it was on euthanasia for a while. Like it almost sounded like a cryptic writing song or something, because I used to, I used to have all, you know, so many different songs on uh, like Winamp 
like on the computer. <laughs> right. And so I would just have like a list of Megadeth songs A to Z. I didn't yep. get the album context. So uh, it was like, you know, I don't know. It was one of those songs that I was like, oh, hmm. wait, shit, that's on Euthanasia, huh? Um, Family Tree, which is a gross, creepy song about incest, uh, but it's a great <laughs> song. Uh, yeah. Euthanasia, this title track needs no introduction. Uh, I thought I knew it all. Um, probably the song that I think most people would say is their least favorite on the album. Um, I love it. I, I yeah, love, I love it. it. Yeah, I, I, I love so it. It's it's really really cool, and um, I like the way it ends. You know, see that that that's one that I forget is on this album personally. Mm. I thought yeah. I knew it all. I thought I had it made. I thought I had it made. I have to it's say a, too, I, even though David Stain is not technically a good singer. But I think this album as a whole is probably like his best vocal performance. I agree. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I, th- I think he's I think he's a great metal singer. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's not. It's just like Alice Cooper. I mean, he's right. not technically right. a right. great singer. He can't he carry a, a note. Voice, but super. I mean, no, they can both carry notes. But I mean, they carry tunes or whatever. But yeah, I mean, they they, they don't have beautiful voices at all. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. But um. Uh, no, I, I, I really agree with that. I think this is his best. Uh, I think that countdown tends to be my favorite, like production. I think, I think the band just never sounded better, like producing wise. Yeah. Countdown, but, yeah. but this one is, is close. I mean, they both had Max Norman and yeah. I, I mean, I love rust in peace is amazing. It's like always been my favorite, but it's also it is tinny. quintessential tinny, like 80s yeah, thrash. Yeah, it's, it's super yeah. tinny. Yeah. And like, so I, these, these two both sound much, much better. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I mean, I, yeah, yeah. His, yeah. his vocals on the song are great on this uh, album are great. And he does very, different very things. Yeah. And uh, he, yeah, this is such a good album for diverse songs. You said it. Eight bit absolutely yeah mm-hmm. and i don't know i mean you know call it call it simple but you know it all like the the cover art also had like the sky had like this kind of purplish hue and i always liked purple and like so that was like yeah maybe like even a reason why i wanted to listen to this album like because you know you, you judge things by their cover you can't mm-hmm. help it mm-hmm. um you at least are, are informed by it and the art and everything like that like i, I gravitated towards it and uh it also does not feature vic rattlehead on it at all true which is interesting He's on the back not, not yeah, he's always oh, on the back, really. Yeah, he's the father Never Vic. Known. Oh, the man. baby. Shit, I don't think I noticed that. Or yeah. maybe it's on the inside. It's it's okay. on the inside, yeah. It's on the inside, okay, yeah, yeah, because okay. Vic's not on the cover of the of Countdown either. Oh, Countdown either, right? He's with he's the Abacus, like, which yeah. I think still to this day should have been the cover. Oh, oh yeah. I, I do sure. think that the Euthanasia cover is really great, and I I can't tell you why. I don't yeah. know. I, yeah, I, it's, it should be awful and ugly and I should hate it, but I love it. I don't know. But it's also <laughs> incredible that like that, like that, it looks like modern day Photoshop. Right. But it was in yeah. 94, you know, like, I'm not sure exactly how they made that. Um, it's, it's really, really cool. Um, so yeah, just to end the album out, there's black curtains. Um, they fall. Yeah, they They're do. never ending. Never ending uh, but yeah. they do end. Uh, and, uh, you know, <laughs> it's a, it's a good song. And then the last song is victory, which is, awesome yeah it's it's yeah, so song. good it's such a great song and it's a fun song they rehash all these different song titles from all different megadeth yep. albums and stuff and yep. it's a it's a real fun listen and it's love it it's very very fast and, and, and awesome. Uh, i yeah. always love the part when he says uh he says had needles in my he goes he goes uh had had needles in my vein needles had needles in my veins 
is like part of the chorus. Yeah. Yeah. Had had needles in my veins. And every time I heard that line, I always, I always in my head heard Magneto's in my place. (laughs) I'm like, what's Magneto doing in your place, Dave? He's like, Magneto's in my place. place. Like every, I mean, I know he's not actually saying that, but it was just like, you know, misheard lyrics. And uh, I just prefer Magneto's in my place. Right. Um, I am the victory. Yeah. Uh, yes, this album I could listen to forever. I, I would yeah. love a t-shirt of this album. I've never been oh. able to find one. Uh, I've never been able to locate. Like, I mean, a... I used to have the Father Vic t-shirt. Yeah, oh, I remember yeah. that one. I had that. I, I remember distinctively. Uh, uh, our dad would not buy my buy me that. He he refused. The Father Vic. Yeah, well, my dad would. My dad was like, "Hell no, I'm not buying you that." And he yeah, didn't. I don't know. He would, not, it's, he would not do it. I I think it. But would, I did I think honestly, it. as much as I don't really wear these, I I would love like an all over art shirt where like it just was like you know like the art was the entire shirt, not mm-hmm. just like in a square. Um, right. But yeah, I don't know. I I, I adore it. So One uh, of my roommates in college had a, a cover art shirt of this that he wore all the time. Really, Frank. Wank. Ah, Frank. Um. Oh yeah. Okay. Yes. The, I've seen that Father Vic. Yeah. 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 That that is really cool too. But yeah. no, I want I want the lady with the babies. It's weird and it's cool. Uh. But yeah. So anyway, moving right along uh, into the Megadeth bio, they are Megadeth. For those who don't know, are an American thrash metal band formed in Los Angeles in 1983 by vocalist and guitarist Dave Mustaine. Known for their technically complex guitar work and musicianship, Megadeth is considered one of the big four. Of American thrash metal bands, along with Metallica, Anthrax, and Slayer, responsible for the genre's development and popularization. Their music features complex arrangements of fast rhythm sections, lead guitars, and lyrical themes of war, politics, religion, death, and personal relationship. Uh, I do feel like it's worth mentioning that they also sometimes sing about magic and weird shit, and I I dig that too. Like there's five magics on Rest in Peace, and and there's a few other songs. Uh, throughout like Elysian fields uh, I don't know there, there's other ones where they just like he randomly take a, a side of, he also had a couple of comic book songs I mean Punishment Due is literally about the Punisher and uh, Psychotron, Psychotron is about the character Deathlock mm-hmm. so those are he was it was just a phase where Dave was into like the more brutal Marvel comics characters I guess mm-hmm. Yeah, right. I mean, I guess being you know uh, in a twenty somethings, right? Like, makes sense to be like, yeah, whatever. I'll I'll, yeah. I'll write songs about comics and shit. But it's it was it was a breath of fresh air. Yeah. Um, I yeah. think I think the band lost that later on, and mm-hmm. it just became more political, which I guess makes sense as you mature and have more angry political things to want to say. Yeah. Um, I want to mention yeah, just so, just really quickly when this came when this it. album came out, a very 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 strong memory I have is that. They mm-hmm. had a release party on MTV and it was called the night of the living Megadeth. And it was yep. on Halloween night. And I was so preposterously excited for it. I recorded it. They had like an hour long concert that they played on MTV, like so incredibly cool. And they started it off with the world premiere of the video train of consequences. Yeah, uh, it was absolutely incredible. And I was so happy to be alive that night. It was insane. Love yeah, it was a good time to be alive. It was a good time nice. to be a teenager. It's so weird. <laughs> so weird out. that that would have been on like prime time, you know, MTV. Oh, shit. Like, yep. Night no, of the Living. MTV so 90, awesome. circa 94. 
Yeah, yep. that's it's insane. So awesome. I also I, I also want to add real quick. Um, I know we're running kind of late. Um, the euthanasia uh, documentary, the making of. Great. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, I haven't seen like what what, a- one of the the best documentaries I've ever seen. It really was it was great. so good. Yeah. Yeah, love that. Loved it. Yeah. I'll, I'll have to check that out. Um, but just to wrap it up, 90, in 1985, Megadeth released their debut album, Killing Is My Business, and Business Is Good, on the independent record label Combat Records, to moderate success. Uh, it caught the attention of bigger labels, which led to Megadeth signing with Capitol Records. People have heard of them, I'm sure. Uh, their first major label album, Peace Sells But Who's Buying, was released in 1986 and was a major hit with the underground metal scene. <laughs> cool kid phrase. Uh, band members, <laughs> Substance Abuse, issues and personal disputes had brought Megadeth negative publicity during the late 80s. Nonetheless, the band went on to release a number of platinum-selling albums, including So Far, So Good, So What, uh, Rust in Peace, and Countdown to Extinction. These albums, along with Worldwide Tours, brought them a lot of public recognition, as you could tell by MTV special on Halloween two years later. Um, Megadeth earned platinum certifications in the United States for six of their 16 studio albums and has received 12 Grammy nominations. Uh, Megadeth won its first Grammy in 2017 for the song Dystopia in the best metal performance category. Uh, you know, pretty cool that that was even possible this late yep. in the game. Yeah. Right. I, I think that's pretty awesome. And I do like that yep. song quite a bit. Yep. Um, but yeah, uh, Megadeth Euthanasia. Holy shit. I, I love this album so much. Yeah, so, so good. Uh, yeah, absolutely awesome. So I will uh, I'll pass this over to Nintendo Josef. Oh, hello. Oh, hello, Josef. So I want to make this real quick because we're running on uh, the first hour here. Um, so my second ge- uh, guess, yeah, uh, my second pick would have to be Weird Al Yankovic. Um, oh, yeah. I like back in the day, uh, Precise Steve and I, this is all we would listen to was yeah. Weird Al. Th- like, that's it. Hmm? That was it. That's literally that, all we listened to. That was yeah. That's why like the the whole like Def Leppard thing for me was such a, like a transition. It's like all all we fucking listened to was Weird Al. Yeah, yeah. For years, and then you're like, hey, how about some not Weird Al? <laughs> how about some some leopards that are deaf? Right. You also got me into Megadeth. <laughs> not so too. deaf. You also got me into Megadeth and Countdown. But yeah, yeah. But yeah, freaking. Oh my god, Weird Al. Weird Al. Weird Al. I mean, freaking listening to uh in 3D on a high speed dubbing. <laughs> I know we were so stupid. We're like we we're, were like, so blame. Let's listen to albums on high speed dubbing because it sounds like Alvin and the Chipmunks and it's just extra funny. And, and the, like, yeah, and the funny thing is that's all I would do is listen to an album on high speed dubbing, and then when I try to listen to it normally, it's like, wow, this is really foreign. Oh my god. We want the speed version. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, the album that I picked is uh the soundtrack to UHF. Oh, awesome. What a great album that is. I, yes. I adore so this album. It is so good. It has it, it all. It it, it totally does. does. It really does. Um, it also has Spatula City and, and Spam <laughs> and uh and uh Gandhi too. I mean, yeah. you know, it's got it's got it all. <laughs> Got it all, and uh, the sound this the soundtrack was uh, very near and dear to my heart. I'm the movie as well, yeah, because uh, my family and I would watch it all the time, <laughs> and it got to a point where we knew every 
fucking line. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, so many fun fun memories. And one one of my my favorite songs on this album has to be Fun Zone. It's a <laughs> yeah. really short instrumental, but <laughs> God damn it's so good. Yep. So freaking good. Um and of course, no, I I love the um the parodies as well, like uh Beverly Hillbillies instead of Money mm-hmm. for Nothing, mm-hmm. um Isle Thing instead of uh Wild Thing. Mm-hmm. Um yes. let's see what else was there? She drives me she drives like crazy instead of she drives me crazy, right. which is hilarious because <laughs> women drivers are pretty terrible. Um <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> I mean it's true. It's not a good generalization of it, It's it's not. It's not. It was, but it was it, it, it is true. Well as it, in my ones. I will have to say in, in my experience. I mean, I I'm a, I'm a terrible driver too. So, okay. Um so so yeah. So yeah. People <laughs> And uh what else was it? Uh oh, uh spam instead of stand one. by REM. Yep. 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 It's so so freaking good. Pam and of course and pork. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that. <laughs> And then, and then you have like the, the commercials from the movie like Gandhi 2, which is like yeah. supposed to be a movie or whatever. Um, and then you have Spatula City, which was a commercial. Um <laughs> yeah, it's it's just so freaking good. And of course, then you have to have the polka in there, which is called the Hot Rocks polka. And it's just a, a medley of uh Rolling Stone songs. Which so is weird. What a so weird, weird choice. I love that. That's one of my favorite polkas too. And I yeah. don't even like the stones. But yeah. I love I love that polka. That's absolutely so that, good. Was, that was the only one that I could do. I could just sing it without the song playing. I remember yeah. oh, yeah. it so much for some reason. But yeah. I mean, and I honestly the song UHF is probably my favorite song. I, oh yeah. I, for I sure. love that song. Yeah. That is such a good song. Man. Yeah. No one else is a good uh, song. Is. No one else is a good song. Let me be your hog. Let me be your hog. Let me be your hog now. Baby, 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 baby. And then it's it. That's it. That's <laughs> so it. stupid. Yeah. Uh, good stuff. There's so many, so many good tracks on this on this album, and the, the movie is still funny, even though it, it probably didn't I, age very well. But oh, I love it! It's one yeah, of those I things. Like it. I think that everything is subjective, but I don't think anything is more subjective than friggin' comedy. Oh, holy of crap! Of course, yes. It, it's so hard to recommend comedy. It's yeah. so hard. Like everybody's personal opinions and personal tastes right. is so personal. And, yeah uh stuff so yeah yeah For sure i love it whatever i love yeah. parody i love parody it's one of my core things it's one of my right the things right. that makes me parody me. makes me love things i didn't think i would yeah right. it's like yeah oh i don't i, so I don't true. listen to rap yeah. music but if i hear a parody of a rap song i yeah. think it's really well done yeah especially yeah. if it's done by weird al weird i mean al, I, I don't know it's, 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 well. it's same, same thing with with nirvana <clears throat> I mean, when, they, when he did a smells, his... smells like nirvana it's yeah so good i mean so many of his songs like freaking nirvana how about rem like i can't stand rem but right. that, that, i love spam <laughs> <laughs> right right yeah so good good awesome stuff. good stuff oh man love me some uhf that was not, on a, that I was a cassette see... that was yeah, a cassette i did not i, I did not see that being the one that you picked yeah, I mean, Glad. to be honest, it was super tough. 
Yeah, it, it was is. super tough to pick an album that really defined me because but I think you, I you, you totally it. did it. You did it because you have all those experiences with your family. Yes. Yeah. And, that That's uh, what it was. That's, like it yeah. was the, the movie yep. and then the soundtrack with it. Right. Perfect. Perfect. Yep. Nice. Awesome pick. All right, Mr. Parasite, Steve, let's round it out. Okay. So um, I'm going to go with, uh, I think this was the fourth CD I ever purchased. And when I did, I felt like I was buying something that was next level heavy for, for me because, you know, I started with like Def Leppard and stuff. And um, yeah, so, so this is uh, a, uh, an album that I dearly love. I know fans of this band don't always love this album, um, but it is Black Sabbath, a band you may have heard of. Black Sabbath Dehumanizer, oh released God, on yes. June twenty second, nineteen ninety two. Yeah, it's it is the band's sixteenth studio album. Um, yeah, so here we have the reunion of the Mob Rules band uh, with the yes. with the the rejoining of Ronnie James Dio on on vocals and also Vinnie Apice on the drums um so pretty freaking cool uh dio had not been with them since uh they recorded neon nights which was the the live or no 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 it was live evil live evil yeah Yeah. live evil i know the neon nights on the cover i don't know why i said that uh (laughs) live evil uh and that was it he pieced out after that and uh formed the dio band but um literally uh you know he he comes back for this one album and <laughs> it just didn't work out um but hey i think uh, i think it's an amazing album i always loved it i will say that the production in it is pretty terrible it's very very tinny um yeah mixed particularly well um but it's uh the songwriting is just incredible it's very heavy um so apparently this album here's the factoids uh was written in just two weeks pretty impressive um, it's Sabbath's first studio album in over a decade to feature. Uh, so I already said some of this, uh, Dio and Vinny Apice, uh, and their first in nine years to feature original bassist Geezer Butler. So it actually was the return of Geezer Butler as well. Um, the lineup functions as a mob rules reunion, as I said, but it was not actually planned to be the case. Um, originally Tony Martin, uh, who had done a bunch of albums with them. Uh, he did the previous album. I think at this point, maybe he had only done two, uh, side of the Southern cross. And then he did tear and tear was the album that directly preceded this one. Um, but he, and, uh, so both he and cozy Powell, the drummer were originally supposed to be on the album, but cozy became injured with a broken hip and got replaced with Vinny first before Dio came on. And then according to Tony Martin, he says he declined to appear so he could finish his first solo album, which is called Back Where I Belong, that he had been working on for a little while. And he really wanted to just finish that. But I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Maybe he's telling the truth. Who knows? Those camps tend to be notoriously like they all have their own side of the story and they're all different. Yeah. So I have no idea. But um, the song, kind of interesting, uh, the song Master of Insanity, which is actually one of my favorite songs, was actually not a Black Sabbath song. It was an unreleased Geezer Butler band track of which uh, the Dehumanizer version is essentially just, it's just a re-recording of it. They didn't change anything. It's the only song in the whole album that Dio did not write the vocals for. He didn't write the lyrics for. Huh. Um, 
Interesting. Kind of cool. Um, and uh, a guy named Jimmy Bell, who's the guitarist with Butler's band, actually was the one who wrote the song. Um, commercially, the album marked a resurgence for Sabbath. Uh, it did reach, uh, the, it did chart in the top 40 in the UK and peaked at number 44 on the Billboard 200 chart. So it's not like it was tearing it up, but it did place, which is pretty cool because they had kind of, you know, stopped being relevant for quite some time. Right. Um, it had two singles, both great songs. Song TV Crimes, released in June 92. <laughs> and um, which which I will just mention, it's really funny. That song, if you if you listen to the lyrics and read the lyrics, like it is clearly about televangelists. It's about the evils of televangelists. Because this this band was like kind of famously anti-religion. Um, yeah. In the same way that mm -hmm. like Megadeth, you know, became very political, like these guys were political, but like they really didn't like religion, clearly. Um, and this song really, really does not pull any punches at all. But for some reason, you know, whoever at the, at, at the record company is like, yeah, this is going to be our single. So let's make a video. And they're like, oh, well, we can't make it anti, you know, religion. So what are we going to do? And they're like, oh, let's just make it about people stealing TVs. <laughs> so tv crimes is just literally just just people breaking into like shops on on in new york city and just like running out with like a tv under their arm like that's literally what happens in the video so anyway kind of lame uh and right. uh, the second single uh was released in september of that same year uh master of insanity how crazy is that it's the, the one that they didn't even write wow so. right <laughs> Oh, nuts. That's My personal good. standout tracks. Uh, the first song, Computer God. I love the song so effing much. It's oh, so yes. slow. It's so plotting. It's so sci-fi and dark and evil and just awesome. Sure I just love it so goddamn much. And it has the best. evil is good. Eva is good. I don't <laughs> like to, personally, I don't like to feel good. I like to feel evil. <laughs> <laughs> uh i gotta give it to tv crimes tv crimes is awesome also time machine of course because it was on the wayne's world soundtrack again uh, with wayne's world <laughs> again with wayne's world. you know it was a really great really great soundtrack oh yeah uh, but it was because of the wayne's world soundtrack that i you know bought this album because i just i loved time machine oh, so much so good i love the fact song. that there's that two versions of that song on the album yeah they're not even that different it's just not weird. that different yeah, but it's still cool. is just a bit different <laughs> yeah yeah and i'll also i'll give it to master of insanity that was always one of my favorites as well so anyway yeah. uh, black sabbath dehumanizer mm -hmm. if you haven't uh ever heard of this album or ever heard it yourself definitely go check it out like i said the uh, mm -hmm. production is kind of crappy but the songs are incredible the performances are incredible and it is a very heavy sabbath album like overall i uh and you know it, if you like dio this tends to be one that I think people sort of overlook. And um, I, I think he's in absolutely incredible in the entire, like every song. This is Dio at yep. peak Dio, honestly. Mm -hmm. uh, he came back with a chip on his shoulder looking to prove something. And uh, I think it really shows he really, really, uh, I mean, especially since the last couple Dio albums previously to this were not quite as good as the few before. 
you know like yeah. i think lock up the wolves was the one directly before this and that one's like not really that good of an album great cover i love the love of the cover art but not yeah, a super yeah, good album moments but yeah um yeah. but yeah i mean so i think this was a, a really cool album so anyway dehumanizer oh, yeah. awesome cover art too oh my god oh, yeah, yeah. Love the cover. God, so always cool. always wanted a shirt or a poster of this honestly oh, sure. always yeah. thought that'd be so cool mm-hmm. absolutely wow all right some hella hella awesome picks uh no surprises here i mean come on guys all the music i like is all the music you like because y'all introduced me to all of it because i'm i'm a wee baby man but uh hell yeah I, this is what i wanted this rocks uh so right on stay tuned everybody uh we have reached the the end of the first half of our meal our meat and potatoes uh but it's time to go and ponder something i have an octoponder this question as as parasite alluded earlier uh it is concert related so i will postulate this octopondering what was a major concert going experience that defined you changed you find who you are as a person today what what like major concert you know just kind of like blew your mind changed your life reinvented your wheels i mean you know what, what was it <laughs> tell me about sure. it sure um and <laughs> uh and so i will uh i will leave you with that we'll go on a short break and then we will be back and we'll chat all right so sounds good stay tuned hey what's going on i'm steven and i'm ron and we're the hosts of the super retro throwback reviews audio podcast if you like to hear the latest pop culture news with some smart ass commentary as well as the latest movie reviews then check us out also we're a multi-award nominated podcast so we're doing something right god knows how that happened so check us out on all major podcasts and distributors and check out super retro throwback reviews on all social media platforms hi i'm patsy the angry nerd lover of science and sharks and i'm ashes von nightmare the real housewife of transylvania and mistress of merlot And And we're we're the the hosts of the Throwdown Thursday Thursday podcast, Podcast. part of the Somebodies and Grand Guignol Networks. Join us each and every Thursday as we break down all the characters you love and love to hate. That's right. We cover characters from movies, television, books, video games, and even real historical figures. Plus, we discuss science. And wine. Like, so much wine. Like, all the wine. We also pit random characters against each other in free-for-all contests voted on by you, the listener, and reveal the results the following week. Did I mention the wine? Like, there's a lot of wine. So join us on our journey through pop culture on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and everywhere you listen to podcasts. And we, and we will, will see, see you, you next Thursday. This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. You're watching The Dorkening. Stay tuned. Hey, are you ready to do some bacon? It's about that time where we ask you, the audience, to octo-ponder this. Welcome back aboard. I asked you to think of a major concert going experience, find you, changed you, reinvented your wheels, affected you in a major way. Um, you know, because live music does that. It's transcendent, and it just freaking blows your mind. Uh, so I, I think uh, I'm going to I'm going to start it off and we'll go around Robin and then I will uh, read the 
Retroids answers from Facebook because they're wonderful. Uh, so I think the concert going experience that probably changed my life the most. What I mean, so my first concert was Weird Al, and that was fantastic. It really was fantastic. But the concert that probably was like the most insane to me was a concert I got to go to later that was uh, 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 a Motorhead Dio and and Maiden show. And yep. it was nice. like basically like the Holy Trinity. I mean, like I wasn't a big Motorhead fan, but I knew them and I knew Ace of Spades and I, I knew enough that I, I should give a shit. Um, I think the only thing that would have made that better if it, is if it was Judas Priest instead of Motorhead for me personally at that point. Yeah. But it didn't matter. Uh, it was it was so fucking insanely awesome. And uh, getting to see the titans of metal in that way was st- out of this world it was out of control yeah uh, seeing Dio live seeing maiden i mean holy shit you know i i would love 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 to be able to travel back in time and me today sit in that crowd um really just just unbelievable and i mean after that i've been a humongous fan of going to see metal shows and stuff all over the place in you know Worcester, Massachusetts has an amazing uh scene for that. So I, I consider myself super lucky in that regard. But yeah, man, that that trio was mind-boggling. So I have to hand it to that. Um we'll keep the same order from earlier. Uh, I'll go with Nintendo. Okay, yeah. So actually I have two, so I'll make this real quick. Um so the first one I, I want to mention was uh, actually is uh the very first iced earth show that I ever saw, which was in New York and press like Steve was there for that as well. And, uh, I just, I was, I was blown away. I, mean, I was back in the day. I was a huge fan of iced earth and seeing him live for the first time. It was like, Oh my God. It was like fucking amazing. And, yeah. and, uh, this opening band called destiny's end, which we heard on the way up there, uh, it didn't sound very good, but live, like holy crap, yeah. they were so good. Yeah, it was so good. I had, live. I had the album, but it I didn't like it that much. But yeah, yeah, they yeah. were great live. They were great. Oh live. my god, fantastic <clears throat> live. Um, and un- unfortunately, no Ice Earth. Kind of like I, I kind of like grew out of Ice Earth over the years. I mean, I still like them, but after what happened a couple years ago, I'm kind of like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, John Schaefer's um, a shit piece, but like, uh, yeah. we got to see Matt Barlow, which is, you know, freaking amazing. The, the, yeah. the, the metal God singer as far. I mean, one of my favorite singers of all time. Yeah. Uh, up there with Bruce Dickinson and, and, uh, Russell Allen and Dio and like, you know, he's, he's like really up there for me. Oh yeah, um, for sure. So I, I just, I was, I'm so happy we got to see uh, Matt Barlow with them. And that was right after Something Wicked This Way Comes. Yes. So, yeah, that was a hell of a show. That was a really yeah. important show. Really good. Really good show. And uh, and then uh, the second one has to be Iron Maiden in Boston when Bruce and Adrian first rejoined the band. It was like, this was before they came out with Brave New World. Wow. All right. So this isn't this isn't the this isn't the concert that we saw with Tim, but I think right. it was the same place. This was before were, that, yes. I think that was both at the Orpheum, I think. Yeah, I, I don't remember. Yeah, that that was, the, the oh my god, the show that you're talking about was when I was so sick and I went anyway. Yes, I remember. That yeah. Was, that was a miserable experience for me, and I was so extra sad because 
it was the first time I was seeing Maiden. But yeah, it, they were great. It was awesome. I mean, they were yeah. so great. Yeah. Nice. And I don't think there was a, an opening band. I don't recall. I you don't know, recall. You know what I remember but... them doing? They they were promoing that Ed Hunter video game. Yes, that's what it was. Yes. Yeah, because they that's didn't. Right. You're right. It was before Brave New World. They didn't have an album they were promoting, but they were promoting the video game. Right. So weird. Right. And and, and <laughs> it was so weird. And, and it was right after Bruce and Adrian came back. Like that that was like the moment. I was like, fuck. This is like the, the classic lineup. Yeah. Plus Yannick Gears. <laughs> <laughs> Plus Yannick. Yeah, and, and they're like, yeah, we're going to have three guitarists because we're all friends and we, we can't bear to get rid of Yannick. <laughs> right, right. Because they're not going to get rid of because Adrian's back and they're right. not going to get rid of little Dave Murray. Nobody, he's never bothered anyone. <laughs> little Dave. Right. right. I mean, I know a lot of people don't like Yannick Gears because of his stage antics and whatever. He's but uh, like I don't know. I think he's friendly, an excellent so, guitar uh, player. It's like I sure, honestly yeah. think having three guitarists. Yeah, if you're a jerk, you're a jerk. But that's what you're right. there for. You're there to play. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Right. 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 That's your role, man. That's your yeah. role. Awesome. Wow, those two two amazing choices. Yep. Uh, Parasite. See what about you, sir? Okay, so um, back to Def Leppard. Uh, first concert I ever saw in my entire life was Def Leppard, uh, supported by Ugly Kid Joe. Yes. In yes. 1993, I was 14. <laughs> Joe was there right next to me. It was yep. he the ugly ending. kid? That's not nice. No, he, <laughs> I mean, he was an ugly kid, but he wasn't the ugly kid. I wasn't oh, the oh, ugly no. kid. I mean, there were oh, ugly no, That's kid. worse. Oh, um, he was just an ugly Joe. Oh, that's the worst. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, it was the never ending weekend tour, was the name of the tour. And I, uh, it was, it was, it was a magical day. It was a fucking unbelievable thing. I th- was that your first concert too? Yes. Yes. Absolutely insane. It was in Mansfield, Massachusetts at Great Woods, which is no longer Great Woods. It's gone through like 50 name changes. Yeah. But it's like, forever. It's forever Great Woods. It's, I, yeah. <laughs> Lots of us just call it Great Woods because yeah. it's old and it's just annoying. It's like, it, it's right. which bank yeah, owns it's like it like the like, Xfinity Center. Yeah. I don't know. It's Great Woods. Um, but yeah, the, uh, I, I mean, I still remember when Joe Elliott came out and, uh, and he's like, hello, Mansfield. <laughs> like, I'll never forget that. Like, <laughs> oh, Mansfield. Cause anytime Mansfield. you see a band in Worcester we see a lot of German bands and they're in what they, nobody knows how to pronounce it. I mean, right. I remember, although I do remember that Ingve Ingve J Malmsteen did come close and he said, Wooster. He's like, hello, Wooster. When did you see Malmsteen? You saw him live? Uh, with Dio, actually, and Doro oh Pesh. God, yep, that's, that's right. Insane. Yep. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Malmsteen was a was a fat guy. Yeah. He, he fat guy continues who... to be a fat guy. That's not. He wasn't. <laughs> to be honest, he. I mean, he was. No, you know, no, no, no body shaming, but you know, he he had a very slim, uh, leather vest that his gut protruded very far out of uh and also he he was yeah, i don't know i'm just not a fan he's kind of a dick but it's fine yeah. he's there to play yeah, he's, you a, know? he's a great guitar uh, player he's but he's a great guitar player but his like sta- i said his he's a shitty everything boring. else okay <laughs> yeah 
he just he did the same like guitar flipping trick like four times or like oh uh, okay, so ridiculous but anyway it's fine um fine. no that was a great show too uh that was my first that was my uh no not first that was my favorite time seeing Dio. but um that was at the palladium but anyway so def leopard uh with ugly kid joe ugly kid joe is amazing too we loved that band at the time we loved yes. as ugly as they want to be uh just worship that album you and i and uh, yep. man we were like we have to go to the show do you think our parents are going to let us go see a concert by ourselves is this is this a thing that's even possible and uh <laughs> you know our parents were just like yeah if you want sure and i remember my mom drove us and picked us yep. up and uh yeah it was a it was a really good time so amazing absolutely yeah. that's that nice bit. that's uh that's fantastic um Okay, well, we got to say our shit, so now we'll let the Retroid say their shit. Um, and by shit, I mean awesome concert, life-changing mm-hmm. experiences. Uh, Adam Letourneau starts us off with, I need to put a word limit on myself so I don't ramble on here. Cliché as it may be for a drummer to pick, but seeing Rush for the first time really shifted my perspective on what it meant to be a great drummer. Yeah. Neil's parts were complex and amazing to watch and hear, but I was more drawn to his intensity and focus throughout the set. He looked like he was concentrating on every hit to make it perfect. And while he twirl or throw a stick occasionally, it was only when the song allotted plenty of leeway to do so. Seeing him play made me want to take my drumming more seriously and focus on the craft in the same way he did was definitely a defining experience for me uh fantastic experience awesome awesome thank you for sharing that yeah neil pert is a you know god of the drums and certainly uh you know idolized by countless but that is cool really really awesome uh jason lewis says way too many to list my dad took me to my first show which was guns and roses and metallica in 1992 obviously did the same for my sons and they picked kill switch and gates with light the torch and tool oh i actually like light the torch uh seeing just about anyone live makes me want to pick up the bass or six string again and keep trying to teach the little guys for as long as their attention span can hold uh <laughs> nice yeah no that's awesome awesome uh we got uh rustly man aka Russell Lyman saying that uh, in 1996 he saw Bush Goo Goo Dolls and Veruca Salt. It's my first concert ever. Had a blast <laughs> nice. and was a huge Bush fan. Um, nice. Mike Levy says that defined me. That's tough. I mean, the first show I ever went to was seeing King Diamond at a hole in the wall club nice. called City Limits in Waterbury, Connecticut. I remember this really cool local band opened up for them and I ended up buying their CD from them. That was my first club show experience that made me want to appreciate bands in general. Seeing Iron Maiden live is always a borderline religious experience, though. Uh, yes, yes, absolutely. I agree and then, with that. <laughs> and then, uh, uh, finishing things off is our recent guest, Chris Philbrook, who says Lollapalooza from 1997 in Columbus, Ohio. Wow. Certainly far too many bands to list. Uh, but <laughs> yes. Uh, so you say I, all I, of them. They're, all, it's yeah, all of yeah, them. Yeah. I mean, that's the all concert though. Lollapalooza. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and that's yeah, awesome. And, cool. you know, I'm sure a massive festival like that was probably yeah. game changing. I mean, if right. I, if I didn't pick the the shows that I picked, the, the thing that was like a paradigm shift for me was, was going to Ozfest. Cause you're just like, mm-hmm. Holy God damn, there is a lot of people here and there are yeah. like four bands playing at any given time. Like that was frankly just overwhelming, but it yes. was also like whoa, like totally really, really crazy. Cool. Yeah, good. Um, and yeah. that was at uh, Great Woods, and and Great Woods is one of those places that it's it's a complex. Yeah, you know, you there are vendors, there are various, you know, places to eat, and actual bathrooms, and you know, all sorts of stuff. It's it's a fun place just to walk around. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it really right. is. It was it was it was cool. Uh, Strapping Young Lad was there, but I, I missed their set, and I, I don't think I ever recovered from it. No, um, but uh, <laughs> I never, now I never will. But it's okay. I just wanted to hear them play that stupid piece of shit. But oh well. Go. So yeah, here we are at the second half of the episode. But uh, if any of you want to octoponder this in general, you can always reach us at our Facebook group on Twitter at Redoctopus, or you can email us at Redoctopus at gmail.com. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a review, a rating, uh, you know, shout out, tell your friends, tell your kids. <laughs> whatever uh and search blackmail your grandma anything blackmail your grandma yeah (laughs) right i mean i don't know what the hell she did to deserve it but do it uh thank you for all those awesome products and without further ado let's get back to the show so here we are we are going to continue the uh second half of our first thing that we were talking about for those of you who have a five second attention span rewind i'm not going to say it again uh so we are uh going to talk about right now this this album here so damn like important it's crazy and it's not even one Shaped, of the, yeah. like they're one of their best um but it's it's just one of my favorite uh and that is ozzy's bark at the moon oh ozzy's yeah. bark at the moon yep. is an album that i listened to a million times i was obsessed with it as a kid i mean i think i remembered being in fifth grade and telling like telling people that like my favorite band was Ozzy. I remember like Bark at the Moon just constantly. I I have super vivid memories of driving in the car and listening to this album and listening to Waiting for Darkness and just like driving home from Aunt Sandy's house and just like like it is so evocative. Like I think about the songs on it and I I remember very vivid parts of my childhood. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's crazy. It's just it's interwoven with my brain. Mm-hmm. Um, Bark at the Moon is the third solo studio album by British heavy metal vocalist Ozzy Osbourne, originally released on the 15th of November, 1983, you know, a full on 12 years before I existed. Um, oh no, is that math bad? That's bad math. Eight years before I existed. Uh, <laughs> the album marks Ozzy's change to a synth infused pop metal sound which is kind of bullshit i don't agree with this um you know this was a this was a review that that i kind of had from but uh i think that there's synthesizer for sure i don't know what i don't know what that that exactly means for pop metal uh you know except for slow down like slow down's pretty poppy that's very, uh, that's that one's fast. very poppy it's very sure. poppy yeah but yeah. the rest of the album I don't, I don't agree with that but anyway, uh, it uh, it is a it was a huge commercial success. Bark at the Moon peaked at number nineteen on the Billboard album chart, and within several weeks of release, was certified gold for over five hundred thousand sales in the U.S. To date, it has sold over three million copies. That's triple platinum for you in the United States and in the U.K. It was the third of four Osborne albums to attain a silver cert, which is sixty thousand units sold by the British phonographic industry achieving this in January 1984. That doesn't sound impressive, frankly, but it's also like only months after it came out. It sold 60,000 units. I guess that's pretty legit. Um, The album was on CD in 95, uh, and again, 2002. This is Osborne's first album to feature guitarist Jake E. Lee and the only studio album to feature drummer Tommy Aldridge. Um, Track listing is Bark at the Moon to start. I, I mean, I just... I, I love this freaking song. 
song yeah is it's so definitely good. the, the so strongest good. song in the album for me anyway it's so good the 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 riff is incredible i yeah i loved the this the the howl at the end and like the guitar solo that it goes into and i just thought this was the coolest thing i i was like you know music can can get no cooler this is just <laughs> awesome so um good. the second song is you're no different which is a big like big shift down to like a slower you know slower no, off part no of the different different no to different me, to me. Yeah. <laughs> you're no different to me yeah uh i really like it yeah i mean i i like this a lot you know i don't i don't need to tell you guys um now you see it now you yeah. don't yeah <laughs> i mean what is this it's just it's like I understand that the songs are so cheesy, but it's just I, I adore all of it. Rock and roll rebel. They tell me no lies. Mm-hmm. Uh yep. rock and roll rebel. And then track five is my my other favorite, um, is Center of Eternity. Oh which God, I yes. still think yep. is like the yes. heaviest, best fucking Aussie song that gets zero playtime. Yeah. It never fucking shows up on best of lists or anything. And it's yep. goddamn incredible. It's so good. And 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 there there's I have to tell you this weird anecdote, okay? I I remember for for a long time when I was a kid, I had this thought that it would be so neat if a song started with the chiming of like a bell, like a really big church bell or something like yeah. that. And I don't know why this ever came into my mind. I just thought it sounded like a really and then I heard Center of Eternity for the first time, and it does exactly that. It does exactly that. And like that just blew me away because it was like I got to actually hear on a real record this idea that I had forever or for <laughs> whatever, what it felt like forever. Um, and then the the song is just so heavy and and fast, and it just doesn't let up. Freaking guitar solo in it is insane. Uh, holy shit. Center of Eternity is incredible yeah and, I love it. and then Definitely. and then you know it, i feel like this happened and then like a sharp launch off a cliff so like uh <laughs> center of eternity was super fast and heavy and then they did so tired which is yeah. really motherfucking so slow so and it just so went around for you yeah. i this this is the yeah. only song the album i don't really like is the yeah um, this is the weakest one yeah slow down uh, you're moving way too fast uh has uh, just the pinnacle of cheesy synth you know very yeah. like i i still like it yeah, it's for, for me it's, it's a good song but it's not a good aussie song well the if that, if that makes is sense. the worst part the chorus is the worst i i think that the verses are actually kind of cool and um if you take away the keyboards if you take away the, the keyboards or the sis in the uh the chorus wouldn't so much better. it wouldn't be as bad it wouldn't be as bad yeah. uh, and then the last song is waiting for darkness which is probably my third song on the album i really like this song. it's a good one um yeah. it it's got a very good you know atmosphere to it it's great riff um and i just i i loved it and i think it's it's a it's an instance of the last song on the album not getting played that much like even myself like when i would listen to the album it wasn't like i would always start at the beginning and it was rare that i would sit and make it all the way to the last song and so i i felt like there was a a chunk of time where i just never even waited 
this. And then the first time I heard it, I, I really liked it. Um, now, correct me if I'm wrong, Joe, isn't there a, there's a bonus track on this album that's like really funny? Is that this album or mm. is it, or is that Blizzard of Oz? Oh, that's Blizzard of Oz. Okay. Okay. You looking at me? Me looking, looking at, you. at you? Is that the one you're thinking of? Yeah, I want to talk to you. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's off Blizzard of Oz. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Uh, yeah. So I mean, it's a short album, only eight songs. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, really not. I mean, a lot of albums you know, back then were like eight songs. They were. Now, yeah, now, I mean, now you from, have to have fifteen. <laughs> right. Right. And this is from eighties. You know, it's from eighty three. Right. So this was that was the the style back then. Mm, um, yeah. Not to get. The Tooth, but a short bio of Ozzy, born John Michael Ozzy Osbourne in December of 1948, an English singer, songwriter, and television personality. He rose to prominence during the 1970s as the lead vocalist of the heavy metal band Black Sabbath, during which he adopted the nickname Prince of Darkness. Uh, You know, a little pretentious, but it's okay. Osbourne was fired from Black Sabbath in 1979 due to alcohol and drug problems, but went on to have a very successful solo career, releasing 13 studio albums, the first seven of which received multi-platinum certifications in the U.S. Osbourne has since reunited with Black Sabbath on several occasions. He rejoined in 19 and helped record the group's final studio album, uh, 13, before they yep. embarked on a farewell tour that ended with a February 2017 performance in their hometown of Birmingham. Uh, his longevity and success have earned him the informal title, the Godfather of Metal. Uh, so we had the Godfather of Shock Rock, the Godfather of Metal, lots of Godfathers <laughs> going on, but not a lot of Gabagool. So I'm kind of disappointed in the lack of that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, Ozzy needs no introduction. I think everybody knows him from some thing or another whether it's sabbath or yeah i mean every time he TV. tries to get out they pull him back in right <laughs> right <laughs> but uh yeah yeah i yeah. osborne's park at the blew my mind i i definitely wore that tape through and i mean these are all tapes that i got from you know steve's collection but yeah just good god i I loved it. I <laughs> loved it so much. Still, yeah. Did. Um, I, yeah. I have to say, I'm glad. I'm glad you picked this one and not one of the more obvious ones. And it's and like it was, was it, it a Vaz, uh, uh, Diary of a Madman, right? And Diaries, I mean, uh, or, or or even uh, uh, No More Tears, right? And I mean, honestly, I I love a lot of Ozzy's solo stuff from that yeah, period. Me too. But I mean, I don't know. It's just genuinely bark at the moon was the one for me it was the one that i heard first it was the one i grew up with and so like you know it, it does happen to be one that's not you know often you know, a person's favorite pick but yeah it's yeah just, it's the, that that album for me so uh yeah no really really glad i got to to talk about that a bit nice. but uh all right um nintendo uh, yes. you're up next sir yes so uh for me this next pick is what really started off me for like the more uh that got me more into the the heavier stuff okay that wasn't you know weird al or def leopard or boston or whatever and this was uh, your dehumanizer is my my dehumanizer <laughs> um so that has to be dio because nice. no we've been talking about dio a lot mm-hmm. in this same singer mm-hmm. been dancing same, same singer and you know for, for me uh holy diver the album is what really got me into the heavier stuff and i just fell in love with ronnie's voice and the music of his first solo album yeah it it really connected to me it's like it's i don't know it's like i want to say this album is like near perfect 
It's like, no, you got the one of the yeah. best openers of all time, which is stand up and shout. And then you have the title track, Holy Diver, which is <laughs> probably like one of the worst songs on the album, but still it's so iconic. funny. I know it, it is. It is not super good, but it is just there's something it's like it doesn't there's matter something about it. There's something mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. Yeah. And it is it is probably his most recognizable song. Yeah, for sure. And Rainbow in the Dark. Well, see, Dark, I yeah. think Rainbow in the Dark, I thought was more popular at the time. I remember that having more radio play, but I think since like that has just yeah. fallen away. And I think yeah, everybody yeah. knows Holy Diver. Everyone yeah. and their mothers it's, know knows it's, Holy Diver. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like the one for some reason. But uh yeah, not his best song. It's funny. Yeah, it was right. a really it's a good right. song. It's a damn, yeah, it's a damn good song for sure. Um, and then, and then you have Gypsy, and then my Gypsy! personal favorite <laughs> on the Gypsy, Gypsy Queen. Queen! <laughs> Um, and, and my my personal favorite song on the album has to be "Caught in the Middle" because I I just love the chorus so much. Is yeah. I I frequently play play on the guitar. I just I just love that that whole chord progression. It's so freaking yeah. good. Um, and then and then you have "Don't Talk to Strangers," which is great. Uh, I I kind of feel like it's uh pretty well known as well. Yeah, I, I, there are bands that have covered it. Um. And then you have straight through the heart, which is it's it's a good song, but definitely not the best. In the middle of the heart. Oh, it's so good! It is. Yeah, it is really good. But yeah, it's not like for me, it's not like one of the best ones on the album. And then you have invisible, and then rainbow in the dark, which is god tier. Yep, and the very slow and dark shame on the night mm-hmm. and i i distinctly remember the first time hearing that song that's like the, that's the sabbath song yes that is like the sabbath right. song Easy. and that's that the one howl sure. that howl in the beginning yeah. the first time we heard it scared the fuck out i was like what the oh, fuck was wow. just that oh, oh it's the song <laughs> that's funny there's a creepy yeah. howl in uh in weird al's nature trail to hell as well yeah, it's yeah, like it a really weird creepy. It's probably one. the same one. They probably use the same <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so weird. I was always like, this is a little, a little too creepy. But uh yeah. Yeah, for I mean this this was like the turning point for me musically. Yeah. And, uh rest in peace, Ronnie. Like, holy yeah. shit. Like oh yeah. I mean, <sighs> he's a big one. He's he's one of the biggest yep. for me for and sure. And I'm like, yep. I'm usually like never like eat like emotional when a celebrity dies but i don't know when ronnie died that like that that was like a fucking yeah. sword right through the chest it was just so yeah, he, devastating he was, he was a big one yeah i know totally sure yeah yeah he yeah. he was one of the yeah there are certain ones that hit you just because you're not expecting it and mm-hmm. like you right. know i somebody mean like who dies way too young like you know kobe bryant or something was just so sad you know like yeah oh my god Oh yeah, you know Chadwick Boseman, or you know right. ones that just like come out of absolute nowhere and they're like way nowhere. too young, it just kills you. Yeah. But like even even then, you know, Ronnie was older, but I mean, he was like what sixty seven. Yeah, when he died. Old. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we all knew that he was battling stomach <laughs> cancer, but yeah. it was weird how they're like, oh, he's doing well, you know, yeah. he's getting better, and then and like then literally like yeah. two days later, he dies. Like yeah. what the 
fuck just happened? Yeah. And and he, uh, you know, I'm just grateful that he got to put out one more Dio album, which was Master of the Moon. Not that it was, you know, his best album or anything like that, but it's a, yep. it's. I'm I'm so grateful that it exists, and it has some great stuff on it. And then he did, uh, he did Bible Heaven. Black, which was the album, right? No, it, he Bible did. Uh, it was Heaven and Hell. Heaven and Hell was the band. Oh, oh, the, it was a self titled yeah with the yeah. members of black sabbath the, 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 the devil you know or something like oh that. the devil you the know devil is, you know the yeah. devil you know is the the name of the album that album, the album is so good is so amazing it's very, it's very good and it you know it is very slow classic plotting dark yeah heavy black sabbath sabbath very very yeah, not yeah. fast you know, not heavy. fast at all it is very slow they're old men but this is also sabbath they didn't call themselves Sabbath, but it's Sabbath in all but name. And it is, yeah. again, not the greatest thing that they ever put out, but I am so grateful for it. Oh, absolutely. And I wish I got to see them. They were in <sighs> Lowell, Massachusetts, and uh, I really wanted to go see it. And uh, yeah. it, was, it was just it wasn't to be. And I was really thinking, like, my God, how many more chances are we going to get to see these guys? And then, and then Ronnie just passed, so it right. was just really extra sucked. But you know, it is what it is. We got, yeah. I got to see him three times. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I think you did too, Joe. So yeah, you were there every yep. time. So that was really, really cool. I remember the last time we saw him was the the Ingve show. Was uh, I remember there was a kid who had a Master of the Moon shirt on, and the album wasn't even out yet. Right. Right. I remember he had the freaking I mean I still think Master of the Moon has like one of the best covers that Ronnie ever yes. did. The yes. album art is amazing. And uh yeah, he had this guy and uh and he was like from Germany. He's like, Yeah, I flew in for this show to Worcester, Massachusetts. <laughs> Which is crazy. Yeah. And that that's dedication right there. That's insane. I mean, it just goes to show, like, you know, we have an embarrassment of riches. Uh, everybody comes to to this one venue, the Palladium. Yeah, anyway, good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Wow, it's uh, it's true. We are we are very lucky in that regard. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, let's <clears throat> let's carry this right along, okay. uh, Mr. Parasite. Okay. So um, this is my longest one, so I'm going to go through it as quick as I can because man, is this going to be a long episode? Yeah. Uh, Iron Maiden. We're about an hour and forty right now. We're, yeah. We're doing okay. Yeah. Well, we got we got like four more picks and plus uh, uh you know the, the yeah we're, we're rocking and rolling so iron maiden uh definitely iron maiden oh my god one of the most important bands in the entire world to me by yep. far definitely started another chapter of my life helped me get into more of the power metal side of things uh even though they're not considered power metal strictly they're more british new wave british heavy metal but um you know it's uh it's 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 undeniable uh, the effect that Maiden had on me as a fan. And I just worshipped every one of their albums, except the first two with Paul Diano. They're, they're whatever, but um, yeah. you know, um, so yeah, with the Bruce Dickens and stuff, but um, yeah. So number of the beast, I got to give it to no number of the beast. This was the first one I heard and really listened to. And I got, I really got into them late because I got it into them in the like mid nineties, you know, remember my gateway yeah. drug was uh, adrenalize which came out in like, what was it? 92. I said, so yeah. and like, you know, I, I got into maiden really late. And then I was like, as soon as I got the bug, 
I had to listen to all of them and by all of them. And that's all I freaking wanted to listen to for the longest time. So uh, my gateway drug for them was number of the beast. So released on originally March 22nd, 1982. It's the band's third studio album. First with Bruce Dickinson on vocals, of course. Uh, Bruce Dickinson was heavily involved with the writing of several of the album songs in particular, uh, the tracks children of the damned, the prisoner and run to the hills owing to his previous band samson <clears throat> samson's ongoing contractual issues dickinson could not legally have any writing credit so he actually gets no credit on the album for any writing at all wow um the album was strongly opposed as many of us will remember the satanic panic was in full effect oh and, yeah uh, this was one of the big the big ones um, strongly opposed by social conservatives, especially in the United States where Iron Maiden was accused of being Satanists. Oh, those devil worshiping Brits. Oh, oh, number of the beast public burnings of the band's catalog were organized. Although some religious groups smashed the records with hammers for fear of inhaling fumes from burning vinyl. Oh my God. Seriously. Steve Harris, the bassist and lead songwriter, has stated it was mad. They completely got the wrong end of the stick. They obviously hadn't read the lyrics. They just wanted to believe all that rubbish about us being Satanists. So unbelievable. Yeah, that's crazy. <sighs> the song number of the beast was, in fact, like many of their songs, just inspired by a friggin' movie. It was just Steve Harris's tribute to the freaking Omen. Supposedly, in fact, it was uh, it was actually Damien Omen 2 is what he said inspired the song. So oh, wow. many of their songs are just simply movies. Children of the Damned. Uh, the Prisoner was a British TV show. I mean, like there's there's like so many. Yeah, and, right. Uh, they were nerds. They were they were pop culture nerds. They they did books. They did movies. They they were so fun on that level. They were like one of the first bands that I ever saw do that kind of stuff. And they did right. it all the time. Uh -huh. So yeah, no, it's uh, it's not that they were Satanists. You friggin' morons. He was just doing a song about a movie. That's it. So like, I don't know, pick at the movie. Yeah, really, um, you're judging, judging a book by its cover. Well, it's like, just, it's just not... absolutely just unbelievable. Just drives me insane. So anyway, yeah. Um, the to drum up interest for the album, much like uh, was done with the movie The Exorcist, which we talked about a few weeks ago when we had our cursed films episode. That was another 8 bit episode. Um, uh, music press reports started circulating creepy stories about the album to, to drum up interest, uh, and uh, get those record, record sales up. Um, supposedly. <laughs> They told stories of unexplained phenomena occurring during the sessions at battery studios, such as lights turning off and on and of their own accord and the recording gear mysteriously breaking down. Um, these odd occurrences climax when 
supposedly when producer Martin Birch was involved in a car accident. So I guess he was actually involved in an accident. Uh, but it says uh, it was told that he was involved in a car accident with a minibus transporting a group of nuns, after which he was presented with a repair bill for 666 pounds. <laughs> so they they really they really just were trying to spread, you know, goofy shit and uh, have fun with it. Um, uh, the infamous album cover, which is, uh, for those who don't know, Eddie, uh, the band's zombie mascot, he's puppeteering the devil, who is in turn pup- puppeteering a still smaller Eddie, was originally done as uh, supposed to be the single for the song Purgatory for the previous album, but manager Rod Smallwood, a.k.a. the Sheriff of Huddersfield, deemed it too high a caliber for a single release and decided to save it for the number of the beast. Isn't that cool? I had no idea. Wow. Neat. That's neat. So uh, it was painted by Derek Riggs, uh, who I've actually got to meet last year. Pretty cool. Hell yeah. Um, uh, He uh, painted basically all their classic covers and singles and t-shirts and basically was the artist for the band all throughout the eighties and nineties. Well, eh, mainly the eighties. Uh, according to Riggs, the cover was inspired by a Doctor Strange comic book, quote, which had some big villain with Doctor Strange dangling on some strings like a puppet. So I know you're asking, well, 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 Parasite, what Doctor Strange cover was it? Well, I wanted to know, too. So I did some Googling. Unfortunately, <laughs> no one fucking knows the answer. <laughs> Damn it. The best I could do, uh, I found a thread, not a Reddit, a thread, an actual thread on an actual website that had forums, comicbookrealm.com. It was a thread from 2012 where somebody was asking the same question. They had found the same quote from Derek Riggs and they were asking, what comic was it? Does anybody know? Uh, The various people who posted had... Lost all sorts of different guesses. They're like, I think he must mean this one, or I think he must mean that one. And they had pictures, and it's like, okay, there's some similarities. There's like puppets, I guess, but uh, everybody's like, eh, it doesn't really seem right. And I don't know. The one that I personally thought was the closest of those is um, it. Uh, it's of the issue is okay. It's Marvel Team Up Volume One Number Twenty One featuring Spider-Man and Doctor Strange with the villain Zandu the Unspeakable in the background, puppeteering both heroes and forcing them to battle it out. And uh, there are strings connecting to his fingers and the the various extremities of the two heroes. It is uh, at least the idea of it. Um, However, one of the various people posting uh, ended up cutting right to the chase and it was like, you know what? I'm just going to email Derek Riggs and ask him. And this is the <laughs> okay. response he got. <laughs> Derek Riggs responded to this guy and he said, hi, it's Derek, Derek Riggs. <laughs> it wasn't any of those pictures. <laughs> he says, I can't really remember what magazine it came from. I remember that it was an internal picture, maybe a leading page and not the actual cover. I think I remember Spider-Man being involved somewhere. So maybe an internal image from the third cover you showed me, at le- which must have been the one I was just talking about. Um, at least it would be a good place to start. That cover looks like it was drawn by Gil Kane. He was one of my favorite artists at the time. So that's probably a good sign as well. 
Anyway, good luck. All the best. D. <laughs> okay. Literally not even Derek Craig remembers. He has no idea. He's like, good luck. <laughs> it's, it's such a good tidbit, though. You're like, okay, the, the cover is based on a Doctor Strange cover. That's awesome. What one? No idea. It's impossible to know. He just said it this one time. Now it's his big memory. Decide. <laughs> it's, just, it's so funny. Um, that's so, cool, though. Yeah. So singles, they had two singles from uh, Number of the Beast. One being the first one being "Run to the Hills," and second being the Number of the Beast. Uh, my personal standout tracks would be the Number of the Beast. Absolutely cannot deny that song. Oh, absolutely. Oh my nope. God, it's so good. Actually, all my picks are really obvious uh, for this one. They're they're the, just the obvious ones everybody knows. Uh, Run to the Hills, can't deny it. And of course, uh, of course, Hello of course. Be My Name. Yeah. Uh, Hello Be My Name uh, is easily uh, one of the best songs they 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 wrote ever uh it's top five maiden it is uh it's it's an absolutely gorgeous story about a guy who's uh, about to be hanged in the morning and he's just reflecting uh and he can't do anything about it and it is just absolutely incredible i was so blown away i would say that this song more than anything else made me love maiden like i I loved the rest of the album. It was great. It was good time. It was like solid, solid album, but this was something else. This was next level. This was storytelling. This was the most epic song I had ever heard. Like it was so incredible. And to this day, it's one of my favorite songs. So yeah, hell would be thy name. Yeah, um, I, I remember hearing yeah. that that live at Ozfest. The Ozfest I went to, Iron Maiden played there, and they played they played hell be thy name. And it was just fucking. It's, it's, I mean, I mean, yeah. Apparently, I, I read some quote about how like they played it every in every concert ever since like they've never they never don't play hell would be my name that's awesome but um yeah so anyway iron maiden number the beast there you go oh man what what an incredible incredible pick yeah yeah definitely i mean i didn't have iron maiden as any of my seminal albums but honestly i I could have like they're they're just so insanely influential and Mm. goddamn so and there are there are albums i like better than number of the beast yeah like like the theme of this episode we're doing is the albums right you it's like well this one this one is the most important because Mm -hmm. it got me started and, right uh, it's not yeah, just yeah. favorite album you know it's like the ones that you you know really were important and right. uh and yeah it's absolutely yeah my awesome. favorite somewhere in time just just putting that yeah up. that was nice. so somewhere in time yeah. and power slave those are my mm-hmm. two favorites yeah, yeah. oh god sure. yeah i don't think i could pick but yeah um nice all right all right so back around we're on our final picks here uh i am gonna go with uh but the only of my four picks that I did not own as a cassette. Uh, this one's a bit of a curveball, and probably one uh, band that maybe most of you haven't heard of. I don't know. We'll see. If you're, you're real metalheads, you'd know. Uh, but I am going to be talking about somewhere out in space, Gamma Ray. Oh, um, yes. Somewhere Out in Space by Gamma Ray is, uh, God, I don't even know how to start talking about this. I now, guess this, I'm, is, I'm, this is power metal. 
So yeah, this is power metal. So You're I'm gonna start with metal. the I'm I'm gonna start with the bio here. Uh, Gamma Ray is a German power metal band from Hamburg, Germany, founded and fronted by Kai Hansen after his departure from power metal band Halloween in 1989. Um, Kai is the band's lead vocalist, guitarist, and chief songwriter. And between 1990 and 2014, Gamma Ray recorded 11 studio albums. Uh, the the I mean I I grew up with a lot of of power metal you know i consider iron maiden part of that Hammerfall, gamma ray halloween uh but man somewhere out in space was one of those albums that when i heard it the first time there were so many standout moments throughout it that i just wanted to keep hearing it over and over and over again and i i love the album cover mm -hmm. i loved the themes i love riffs uh i mean kai hansen's vocals were just incredible and i mean for those of you who aren't familiar with with power metal you know it's like usually very very fast and upbeat and a lot of guitar solos and, and melodies and stuff like that but the, the vocals are are clean vocals they're not screaming it's not uh you know when people say heavy metal you know a lot of times people conjure up images of, of screaming and there's there's or none of that like death growls or death growls like or something. yeah, yeah there's they're screaming like but it's that. like high pitch right it's rob halford vibrato right it's like yeah. it's a high pitch you know kind of scream yeah um like a higher note like that um, Summer Out in Space is a uh, album by the by power metal band Gamma Ray, released on the 25th of August in 1997, two days before my sixth birthday, uh, and is the band's fifth studio album. Uh, it continues in the tradition of the previous four albums. It contained a different lineup yet again, but would also be the first album to feature the band's longest standing lineup. The album featured Dirk Schlatter on bass for the first time since his guest appearance on Heading for Tomorrow and Henio Richter on guitar, as well as Dan Zimmerman on drums and Kai Hansen on vocals and guitars. Um, the track Watcher in the Sky was recorded by Iron Savior and appears on their self-titled 1997 album. It features Pete Silk on guitar and additional vocals and Toman Stouch on drums. Uh, the track No Stranger Another Day in Life was originally written as a contribution to Michael Kiske's solo album. For those of you who aren't familiar, Michael Kiske is the former singer of Halloween, former bandmate of Kai Hansen in Halloween. Uh, but uh, Kiske rejected the song as it was too heavy. So Hansen included this song on this album. Uh, there's also Neat. the song Miracle is effectively a stylized version of Man on a Mission from Land of the Free, Gamma Ray's previous album. It has very similar lyrics and identical chorus in similar chord progressions, but at a slower tempo. And the song Men, Martians, and Machines uh, begins with the five tones from the 1977 film Close Encounters of the Third Kind played on strings. Oh, neat. Uh, I, I, never, I never caught that. That's cool. So, so if right, so if it's not clear, this is a very like we were saying about Iron Maiden. It's very nerdy, you know, yep. space sci-fi album filled with reverence for you know the fantastical and you know the sci-fi and all that other stuff. Um, I I I just love this goddamn album. I really do. Uh, the first song, Beyond the Black Hole, starts with just the most slapping, fucking oh, yeah. tasty bass shit yeah. that you've ever heard. I mean, talk about you know for the first album for Dirk Schlatter on bass like he's like hello hi I'm in this yeah. band now you know <laughs> like there's no question and he stayed um, in the band forever too, yeah, he's, right? yeah he's never he left. left yeah he's yeah. he's still there um and so that's it that's awesome beyond the black hole is is truly I think one of Cam Ray's best songs ever I I just 
I like you listen to that song front to back and it's like, God damn, is this a well-written song? <laughs> like there's just so much that is awesome in this song and there, it just never gives up. It like, it always has something new. Oh my God. I fucking love that song. Um, Men, Martians and Machines, really, really fast, really good, you know, upbeat fun song goofy chorus that's also part of the appeal of, of gamma ray is like they they do the thing that we always say we love where they don't take themselves seriously but they are fantastic musicians so they have goofy parts and silly you know things that are throughout it and goofy mm-hmm. lyrics and shit like that but right, the songs are totally. so good which and is very much like halloween and ha- right it's like how how halloween stayed too which mm-hmm. is really cool right yeah. exactly heavy metal hamsters i mean there's you know yeah. uh there's obviously this the, the same blood runs through both bands but it's like the, it goes further than that it's like there really mm-hmm. is a similar energy to both and 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 mm-hmm. for those of you who aren't familiar with gamma ray or halloween um kai hansen uh is now back with halloween um, and they are touring as the, you know, this the current iteration of Halloween, which features the the lineup of Halloween that's been for quite some time, as well as both Kai Hansen and Michael Kiske, their two previous vocalists. So like their yes, family bond, singers. right? They have three singers, <laughs> but like these bands, like there is a, a like a bond that united yeah. them. They toured as yeah. Pumpkins United for a long time. Like it's yeah. a, there, there is a serious kinship there, oh, um, yeah. which is I mean, I mean, super my God, cool. We, we got to see the Pumpkins United tour. I mean, oh, I, oh, you, so you cannot tell me there's a happier, more positive metal band. Right. Than those guys. Right. Like, you could never see like Ronnie James Dio wouldn't even play a festival with Ozzy. Like he wouldn't even be at the same festival. That was one of the reasons he, he quit after dehumanizer. That's true. Yeah. Um, he, he like such a head case and like these guys, zero ego, like mm-hmm. Andy Darris has sung for the band since like 94, 94. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, he has yeah. put in his, t- he's been in it longer than the other two singers by far. Yep. And like at this point, and like, he's like, yeah, no, it's, it's totally fine. Like, no, no, it's cool. Like, yeah, let's trade off songs and we'll do parts. And I don't need to be on in the spotlight. All Every the time. song. Like, right. There's just, you feel like there's no ego anywhere on that stage. Despite Halloween having a song called Mr. Ego. They definitely do not. It's, uh, it's they do so not crazy. Yeah. It really is. And they're all just smiling and like having fun and that, uh, that concert was definitely my like top three concert yeah. going experience yeah same here all, it, all it, life here. like I seeing agree. gamma ray and halloween and yep. then them both on stage all yep. the full band yeah. all at once yep Fucking halloween hell. is definitely one of my favorite bands i didn't pick them but it kind of hurt and i do uh i don't think they shaped me as much as other bands so i i just mm-hmm. didn't but honestly right. halloween is one of my all-time favorite bands by yes far, yeah, right, yeah. by far by far by and that right. that new album they came out with oh god damn what a it's comeback super it's super yeah. good what a comeback. it's so it's so fucking good but yeah so not so not to go on too much about halloween they are also phenomenal uh but yeah the, so the so the gamma ray is you know w- w- was what happened you know with when Kai Hansen left Game uh, uh, Halloween, and so this album is really important to me because it was like one of the first power metal records that I just latched onto big time, mm-hmm. and I just always yeah. wanted to hear it. Um, Somewhere out in space is the fourth song, the title track. Uh, this is my favorite song on the album. Um, it has the heaviest fucking guitar part in any power metal song <laughs> ever. Um, Henio Richter just like 
fucking shreds a hole in reality with like the speed of his picking it's retarded um and i mean no disrespect i mean i swear i like i i frequently go back to the song and i'm like man goddamn like this is just so human effing inhuman i just holy shit and 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 henry richter is still in the game he's you know he's still still out there you know Mm -hmm. shredding and and being amazing i i we have a pick from him from one of the concerts Mm -hmm. um but somewhere out in space, uh, a favorite song. The Guardians of Mankind is solid. The landing is an intro to Valley of the Kings, which that's I must favorite. say, uh, Valley of the Kings is incredible. And also, yeah, was... that's my that's my favorite song of the album. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's it's so good. Uh, but it was featured on a compilation album that Steve had made for me when I was a wee wee lad. Uh, that was called Tim's Metal Madness, and it had a picture <laughs> that Steve drew of Samus Aran in the various suit holding a giant guitar and and had like I remember you know, smoke that. coming out of the gun. Well, yeah, and uh well Joe colored it. Oh, so Joe yep. colored it. Okay, yeah, I yeah. didn't remember that. Yeah, I remember giving it to him cuz I was like you do a great job coloring and 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 you like, did. It looked yeah, awesome. And and then we can like both have contributed to this. Yeah. And the first song on that that CD was Bark at the Moon. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we go back and look at that CD and it's got like, you know, Aussie, Gamma Ray, Sonata Arcticas, My Land. And uh, I mean, Jesus Christ, I don't know. A lot of other see, things. See, I wouldn't have been able to name anything except Bark at the Moon, but I <laughs> yeah. obviously remember. Va- yeah. Thing. Valley of the Kings was on there. And I know, and I know that My Land by Sonata Arctica yeah. was on there. I can't think of the other ones. Um, oh, my land. Oh, my land. This is <laughs> my land. <laughs> Uh, so not Arctic could have been this pick too. Uh, but anyway, uh, uh, there's there's the song "Pray," which is you know slower. The Winged Horse, which is a fucking great song, such a good good opening riff. Uh, Cosmic Chaos, Lost in the Future. We are lost in the future. In the future we, we are lost. lost. It's a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> can't control <laughs> oh man this is just I'm lost riffs. in the future I'm lost in the future I'm lost in the... oh wrong song, I can't so. go to space cause I don't have a ship <laughs> I don't have a ship cause I ain't in NASA Mm-mm. cause I dropped out of school. school oh don't you know where you are <laughs> oh boy oh man uh yeah, and then uh, Watcher in, in the, the Sky. Oh, uh, Watcher song in the 12, Sky. Watcher, okay. sky. Oh, Watcher in the Sky. Uh, Rising Star and Shine On. Um, okay. Yeah, this is my album. I, I love it so good. It is so good. It, yeah. it, it does happen it's to great, also yeah. be my favorite Camry album. But I mean, nice. it, I really like, I, I remember going through your CD rack and specifically looking for this one and like popping it into yeah. the CD player and putting it in the CD player. This in my was room our entrance like, to the band for sure. This was This had come out the year I found it. So we went backwards. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah. and explored explored the previous albums mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. Right. Um, yeah. I, I I have no no other things to nice. say other than much much love and uh, and it definitely shaped me and and everything and you know Gamma Ray definitely has out lately but that's okay. Um, they they put out some of the best power metal ever for a really long time. So yeah, they, they were they were quintessential power metal for me. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. But uh, yeah, all right. So that's my final pick, uh, Nintendo. What about you, sir? Yeah, so my final pick is uh, 
one of the one of these bands that's that's very near and dear to my heart, and unfortunately, I've never seen them live, and that really sucks. Uh, and that has to be Twisted Sister. Mm. Oh. I love Twisted Sister. I have loved every single album they put out, which is all of five. Um, every single one is good in their own way. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one that I picked the the album that I picked is actually not any of those albums. It's one it's their the best of albums which is called big hits and nasty cuts oh yeah nice this is the one <laughs> this is the one that that like really introduced me to like other yeah. songs other than we're not going to take it yeah and, yeah and totally. i want to rock because those yeah, are those two yeah. songs they we love this album we jam down your throat like we're not going to yeah. take it and i want to rock you're going to love them you're going to fucking love them and and you know what <laughs> those songs suck compared to all the other songs that they have in their catalog. <laughs> it's, I mean, I, those songs are good, but holy fuck, they have better songs. Yeah, than those so, so overplayed, you know, so overplayed. Right. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm like sick of them now. Yeah. So you have on um, the first track you have, we're not going to take it, which is yeah. obvious. Um, and then I want to rock another obvious one. And then I am on me, which is to me is like very personal. Like like I really connect to the to the lyrics of that mm-hmm. song, so that that will probably be like one of my all time favorite Twisted Sister songs. Nice. Um, and then you have the price, which I've learned to play on guitar, and I'm very proud of that. Yep. Oh yeah. Um, you can't stop rock and roll. Uh, from the album, you can't stop rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Um, awesome track. And then the kids are back, which I fucking adore, and mm-hmm. that's also from you can't stop rock and roll. And then you have shoot them down, which is from the very first album called under the blade mm-hmm. and then you have the song under the blade right after that i uh, I, I, I love under the blade so under the blade was good. always the one i wanted to cover when we yeah had it's just so good i really um, love that one and then and then you have uh one of the, the their cheesier songs called i'll never grow up now now <laughs> now so cheesy but i love it yeah they they were big about making anthems for kids in high school yeah, for sure. And uh, then you have Bad Boys of Rock and Roll. Fun song. It's another another good one. And then, uh, unfortunately, this album only has songs from the first three albums. They, they totally like left out Come Out and Play and Love Is For Suckers, which is very unfortunate because both those albums are fucking awesome. They, des- they deserve to have some songs from those albums on here. Mm-hmm. Um, but... You have some of the live stuff, which yeah. Parasite Steve and I like to quote from, oh from time God. to time. Like we were, we were, we just like memorized everything. everything. There was so much personality. Like D. Snyder is like the best frontman of all time, right? Like he's so, so great. And he's good. just he's just messing with the people in the crowd. It's just so unbelievably funny and he like just because you got an iron main t-shirt on doesn't mean you're a new person he's like he's like uh he's making fun of a guy because he's wearing an iron maiden t-shirt instead of a freaking (laughs) twisted sister shirt so funny i mean it's just Uh, just awesome yeah it is so good so good so for the live tracks you have what you don't know sure can't hurt you which is also from their their first album and then destroyer which is from the first album, and then Tear It Loose, which is another one of my all-time favorite Twisted Sister songs from the first album. And then you have Run For Your Life. And the then, first album is just Twisted Sister, right? Uh, it's called Under the Blade. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and then Stay Hungry. 
Uh, no, it was uh, Under the Blade. You can't kill rock and roll. Okay. Then it was Stay Hungry. And then Come Out and Play and Loves for Suckers. Gotcha. Uh, then uh, you have, I think this is a Rolling Stones cover. It's called uh, It's Only Rock and Roll. But, but I, I like that. Yeah. I like that. I think, I think that might be the Stones. That might be the Stones. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then, then you have uh, "Let the Good Times Roll" slash "Feel So Fine," "Feel So Fine" to close out the album. And uh, definitely one of my favorite things that D. Snyder says on this album. He goes, "We got microphones over here. We got microphones over there, so you can shout out whatever the fuck you want. You can shout out." Fuck you. You can say fuck you. If you want to say eat shit, you can say eat shit. If you want to say I'm a sick motherfucker, say I'm a sick motherfucker. <laughs> say I'm a sick motherfucker. I'm a sick motherfucker. All right, you sick motherfucker. This one's for you. It's called Destroyer. <laughs> I still remember it. Fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. And you're welcome. You are definitely thanked. (laughs) Nice, dude. Shit. Yeah, Yeah, so that that, that is definitely my pick, for sure. That's awesome. Definitely a band that is often overlooked by, you know, or overshadowed by their couple of hits. And and those just are everything anybody knows, and that does happen so often with bands of that era. But, uh, man, yeah, Twisted Sister definitely had a lot going for it. And that album is very much exactly the same thing as the Alice Cooper classics. It's the same Mm -hmm. exact thing. It's half of it was greatest hits, half of it was a live show. And it was, it really, really is a really special like it was a tape at the time, so like half of it is the live show, half of it was the greatest hits. It's, it was a special such tape. A cool yeah. It really it's, worked it's so really well neat. as a tape. Both of those, yeah. yeah. Side one, side two, and you know you you had your favorite, but sometimes you listen to the other side or whatever. But uh yeah, those those two are both amazing greatest hits albums in my yeah opinion. yeah they don't, Some they the don't best do ever. greatest hits like that anymore. <clears throat> I love that that love that, that makes yeah. it makes you want to get it. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah having cool. that live stuff on there. All right. Uh, thank you, Joseph. Parasite, Steven. Let's okay. do it, sir. So this is my last pick. This is going to be uh, the first time I ever heard this band. Uh, it was in a. It was in college, and I was. It was 1997. No, I guess it was 1998. Um, sorry, I graduated co- graduated high school in 97. Mm-hmm. So this was first year of college, and I was up at up in Nashua, New Hampshire, and there was a little tiny record store that focused on uh, metal and overseas metal, and they they had a lot of imports, and uh, it was called Rock It, Rocket Records, but it was like Rock It. Rock yeah. It. Yep. And uh, I loved the store. They closed down uh, after a couple of years after I found them, unfortunately, but I went there all the time for stuff. But yeah, I mean, they had a lot of imports, so the CDs at the time, we were used to paying like eleven ninety nine for a CD somewhere, and these were like sometimes twenty six ninety nine and stuff. So like it was a lot more expensive. But <clears throat> there were all these bands I had never even heard of, and incredible cover art, and it was just absolutely awesome. So I love this place, and I went there, and they were playing a CD over the loudspeakers there just playing it in the store and i was like man this is awesome like what is this what is this man this is awesome and so i was leaving and um and i'm like what is playing what do you got playing right now 
And she's like, oh, this is the new one from Blind Guardian. And I'm like, Blind Guardian, who is that? And she's like, uh, well, here. And she showed it to me. And she's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's the new one. It just came out. It's called Nightfall in Middle Earth. I'm like, oh, my God. I love this music so much. And you're telling me it's fucking Lord of the Rings? I'm like, I don't care how much it is. It's mine. Give it to me. So I paid like almost 30 bucks for the CD. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, I don't know if you guys have uh, out in the listening audience have heard of Blind Guardian, but they are a very, very, very well-respected uh, power metal band that is kind of, the joke is basically like they're, they're, they're too technical to bother to cover. Like nobody can do it. You know, it's like kind of almost like a joke. There's a guy who like, who, who tries to like copy blind guardian, like just himself. And, and like, he has all these like life hack ways of accomplishing the same things in, in like a funny way, because it's like, you can't actually play that fast. You can't actually sing that high. You can't actually do all the things. And they're just like a very, like a dream theater, like a queen. They're just really like a well-respected overproduced, but you know, sort of full sounding band. And um, this album right here, uh, Nightfall in Middle Earth is it's just the one that started it all. So this this was my gateway drug to the new scene, which was all that German power metal that I got into after, including Gamma Ray. Gamma Ray was one of the very first uh, ones I discovered after Blind Guardian. It was uh, Nightfall in Middle Earth. And then I went like right to somewhere out in space. And that led us to Iron Savior and, you know, Running Wild and uh you know, we mentioned Iced Earth and Destiny's End and like all, all that stuff kind of just sort of started to blend together. And it was like the next chapter <clears throat> in my heavy metal journey. Um, and Nightfall is a concept album based on J.R.R. Tolkien's The Silmarillion, a.k.a. the one that nobody reads because it's terrible and too hard. Um <laughs> The album contains not only songs, but spoken word parts narrating sections of the story. And they are really well done and well acted and well produced, unlike every other metal band who ever tried to do that, basically. Like these were these are really, really well produced. Uh, there's sound effects. There's, uh, you know, actual voice actors that know what they're doing. They, they're not the band, you know, just trying to, you know, them and their friends goofing around or something. Um, really, really cool. And so in this, in, in the Silmarillion, it takes place like so far before the Lord of the Rings that Sauron, who's the villain of that story, obviously everybody knows Sauron's like the underling. This is about his boss. Um, the original badass, which is Morgoth <laughs> and, uh, Sauron does appear. He talks in the first track in this first spoke, spoken word part, but he just sounds like an old man. He doesn't, he doesn't actually, he's a subservient character to Morgoth. Morgoth is the badass. Um, pretty, pretty awesome. I, I, I thought this album was so special. It just, uh, it just blew me away. Metal yeah. Hammer described it as a banquet of medieval slash folk slash speed slash power metal. And the, the Queen-esque vocal twists complete with interludes to illustrate the plot. Um, saying it had that stuff. I don't know. I screwed it up. Um, the cover depicts uh, character Luthien, who's this elf chick, and she's dancing in front of Morgoth. It's an amazingly well done album cover. Oh, just such really a classic is. for me. Um, it was the first album by Blind Guardian to be released in the United States. Um, so 
this is um i think i already said it it's their uh sixth i don't know maybe i didn't say this it's the sixth studio album from the band they actually started in the late 80s i think the first blind guardian album battalions of fear is 1987 but this was the first one to come out in america but i didn't have the american release i paid for the friggin import so yep. it was expensive so <clears throat> they started to uh to they made a deal with the virgin um a couple years later so it was really funny because i was i was going online and importing all these expensive blind guardian cds and then they just suddenly were at strawberries like i'm like what they've been around since 1987 why are they now suddenly coming over like after i just bought them all last year like god damn it so it only had one single which is the song mirror mirror released february 7th 1998 and as for me personal standout tracks are into the storm mirror mirror time stands still at the iron hill and when sorrow sang i uh i love this album it has such such a special place in my heart and the production is unbelievable and like I said, the fact that the spoken word stuff is throughout, it's almost every other song, but it never gets formulaic. Like they, they'll throw stuff in um, just like UHF, you know, there's like a, suddenly a 10 second song and then yeah. they'll throw in maybe two songs in a row or three songs in a row before a spoken part. And yeah, and I don't know, there's, there's just, it's just an incredible job. I, I think it's just a, a, it's just awesome. I love it. <laughs> so Blind Guardian, Nightfall in Middle Earth um, gets gets my pick. It's definitely the most recent of the albums that shaped me back in 1998. But there you have it. Nice, nice, dude. Awesome, awesome pick. That's a cool story, too. I hadn't heard about going to Rocket Records and that whole thing. That's that's really neat. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's there's something special about walking into a record store and just like being, what are you playing? What is going on? Yeah. That sounds so sick. Um, nice. All right, guys, we did it. Retroids, you did it. Good job. I applaud you. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. We love you. Uh, this was really cool. This was exactly what I wanted it to be. Uh, just nothing but love and reverence for old music and stuff that made us who we are and influenced what we listen to. Music is so important to everybody. And I think it's really cool to get to talk about that. Um, so, yeah, this was this was a lot of fun. Um, so... We are we are done eating. Um, num num. The meat and potatoes are gone. Uh, but now we are just about to catch that horizon. But before we say goodbye, let's go to this. Hey, you like old games? Yeah, yeah, so do we. But the thing is, there are new games that actually play like they're old games, but they're new. Anyway, it's time to check one of those out. This is Retro Nouveau. Hey everybody, Parasite back on the mic for you with another edition of Retro Nouveau. This week, I am going to talk about a game I bought recently. It was super discounted. I think it still is on the PlayStation Network. It is called Battle Axe. Totally random buy. I just happened upon it and, uh, you know, it's a, uh, it's a damn fun game. Totally sprite-based game. 
Inspired by the classic adventure games of the 1980s and 1990s, Battle Axe is an arcade top-down hack-and-slash created by veteran pixel artist Hank Nyborg uh, <laughs> for the company Numskull Games. Um, Battle Axe is absolutely gorgeously sprited. I mean, just absolutely freaking gorgeous. The animations are insane. You get to pick from three characters. Uh, you have a, a dwarf with a bazooka. You have, a, <laughs> you have an old druid guy, and you have a, uh, a little... Uh, actually, my favorite character is the third one. The she, She's definitely a dark elf. She's like a drow. She's purple-skinned drow with white hair, uh, and she's she's really cool. Her name's Faye. I really like how all three characters play very differently, and you can very much tell that they have strengths over each other and weaknesses and it really is a matter of like which do you which play style do you like mm -hmm. Faye is more hack and slash so you really have to get up in their grill she's not really about the, sh the shooting she throws knives but um like the druid guy he shoots magic spells and they are so rapid fire and so great that he's more of a you know more of a shooting character he's what do you call it when they're you stay far away. Ranged. I don't know. I, ranged. He's, yeah. he's ranged. Okay. She's up in your grill. And uh, the dwarf guy's kind of, I don't know, I guess half and half. But they uh, there's only really three attacks. You, you slash your melee weapon up close. You shoot whatever you shoot. And then they have a third attack. And they are different. They are, they are truly different um, for each character. So and, and the druid guy, his is a teleport. He kind of teleports halfway across the screen or so, and he will hurt people wherever he ends up. But it just feels completely different than the other the other two, and, and they're all they're all pretty cool. So, and you get to just for fun, you get each each character has two different colors you can choose from just to start with. I don't know if you can unlock any more. Um, this game is intensely hard. It definitely reminds me of uh, like a Pocky and Rocky, or like um, like uh, Gauntlet. I guess, but more Pocky and Rocky because it's it's more like, you know, there's there's melee too and stuff. But uh, yeah, so like there are no continues. You get three guys and that's it. So oh, wow. I've played this game a bunch of times. I cannot get past the third level because I cannot beat the boss. So it's, this, it's, it's the thing where like you, <laughs> it takes so long to get there and then you have the life you're on and two more. That's it. And then you start the whole thing over. So ooh, it's at the point where I've died so many times that I'm like, I need to like watch some videos and find out like a good strategy because there's no, there's no chance. Like I'm going to, it'll take me years to get good at this. I don't know. Right. Uh, it won't be fun anymore, but it's it is a fun game. It is very hard. The the scores are kind of middling. They, it seems to have gotten a lot of fives and sixes. I would say it's better than that, just because there's so much like care put into the uh, presentation and it does control really well and everything. I really just wish you could continue. You know that that would be fine. Like if, even if there was like limited continues, there was like three continues or something like that. Like come on, it's just so yeah. hard only right. having three guys. Even when it's on the easy difficulty level, you, they don't give you more guys or continues. It's just like less enemies makes it easy. But I'm trying to I'm trying to just say screw it, beat it on hard, and uh, see what I can do and just make that the only difficulty. But. Um, I don't know, having having trouble, but the bosses are huge and really, really cool. Um, also, really worth mentioning the uh, 
soundtrack is incredible and uh it was done by uh, legendary composer uh manami matsume of capcom fame she's been working for capcom since 1987 i guess and she did a lot of mega man stuff some street fighter stuff and uh she did a couple tracks for shovel knight and uh i know she did like the plague knight song and uh i can't remember what the other one was treasure night i'm sure you'd remember um yeah so anyway uh the presentation is just absolutely top notch very cheap right now it was only like 11.99 i think when i bought it um totally worth that that to me it's very challenging and if you dig like that top down hack and slash gauntlet pocky and rocky sort of stuff check out battle axe it's really really a pretty damn good time i would give it um let's see i'd give it like um i'm gonna say i'm gonna say 7.5 uh time traveling tentacles because you you really need to like if you could just continue Mm. that like it it would it would be so much better but it is it is really good if shallow but really good um damn oh just let me continue let me let me have a few more tries at this level right nice i was watching some gameplay footage of that and it looks like you can collect coins so Mm -hmm. can you possibly buy continues Uh, i don't think like shots or something well so there is a shop and uh there aren't uh i don't think there's a continue in the shop although they don't give you they don't give you explanations of what everything is you just gotta like try it out which i hate yeah shops like oh my god tell me what it is but there is one of the things does give you a a permanent plus one to your health and that also when you get it that also fills up like if you beat the the previous boss and have one piece of energy left unless you buy health in the shop you're going to start the next level with one piece of energy oh it's so brutal like it really is but as long as you make sure you kill a ton of guys and you you know you get to know how much the the things are you know things cost because every time you buy another piece of energy it does go up um but like i'm able to usually buy one in the first level because you have i think i think you start with five pieces of energy might be four but i think it's five and then you get one more and then by level two is so long it's ridiculous level two i tend to be able to get enough money so that i can buy two more in the shop yeah um and then i i just can't beat level three because you go to the shop after you beat the boss it does a little thing and you go to the shop and it's really cool the uh the shop lady is uh she sounds super bored and i think it's intentional (laughs) she's like how may i help you Mm. thanks I don't know. It's really, I think it's funny. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) That sounds like a fun game. I definitely want to check it out. I I heard that. I heard that the um, PS five is actually going to get a special edition. That's going to come out next year, but I don't know what that means. I I mean, this is a perfect game to have more characters or to have more palette swaps. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, they could very easily patch it and give you continues and just let you be able to have a fun mode, you know, sort of a thing. 
Right, um, ca- casual mode. Yeah, mode. casual mode. Because there's so there's arcade mode, and then there's uh, I think it's called infinite mode. And infinite mode, it it doesn't end, um, and it's just about how many stages you can get through. And there are trophies you can unlock. It's like, oh, did you get to fifty levels or get to a hundred levels or whatever? Um, I think I got to like six, and I only tried it one time. I I really want to try to beat the arcade mode if possible. There is a new game plus that I believe gets unlocked when you um, beat. I think it's when you uh, when you beat arcade mode, but I don't even know what it is. I I'm trying not to spoil it. Right. Right. Um, cool. Very cool. Awesome. Thanks, dude. Definitely have to check that one out. Uh, you know, add it to the list. Uh, all right, folks. That wraps up the episode here. Uh, if you haven't jumped ship by now, we are certainly glad. And we hope that you enjoyed this week's journey over the treacherous waters of all the things that made growing up awesome. If you liked what you heard, or at least are still awake please hit that little subscribe button and like us on facebook and twitter as well as part of the inebriate podcast network retro red octopus is a full member of the dorkening podcast network so if you get a chance please check out our sister shows like let's not with michelle and sam csi the vegas files podcast behold a pale podcast and throw down thursday uh there are a billion shows on our network and I'm sure everyone's really nice. I couldn't possibly know them all, but I'm sure they're all nice. Uh, and you can find out all the information that you would need at thedorkening.com. And uh, be sure to check out our killer sponsors, Deadly Grounds Coffee, coffee to die for. But don't die. Just drink it. Yeah, don't I, I, I recommend just having it. Just have some. I have been your host... 8-Bit Alchemy, and we will catch you on the next one. Peace.